Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 254, Inside Man from 2006. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, And this episode is brought to you by the Apache 6.4 liter Hemi 392 V8 engine. Uh, the Hemi can trace its name to its roots in, its, in Chrysler's revolutionary hemisphere combustion chamber. Shout out to the Apache 392. Well, shout out to the Apache. What does Apache have to do with a bank robbery in New York, I'm wondering? Why are they promoting our show for their product? First of all, this is the most relevant sponsor we've ever fucking had. One. Okay. I don't know if you put the clues together over there, uh, Mr. Denzel. Security deposit box number 392 was the missing one. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the Hemi 392 V8 engine. This ain't no podcast sponsorship. (laughs) Yeah. After the break, we'll be talking about Inside Man, but Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Honestly, I've not been feeling well. I had like a little bit of like a cough. Uh, I was testing negative, so I don't know what it is. I haven't been going anywhere or doing anything to get it, so I don't know what happened. Um, so I've pretty much been like sleeping. Uh, Love Island finished up. Uh, that's over and has, you know, taken away consuming a lot of my, you know, hour and night time. But in return, we've been blowing through Breaking Bad since um, Better Call Saul finished, just to like rewatch. Because I haven't re-watch. seen okay, it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it finished airing, right? Like, and we're just crushing through it because it's like you know, like I kind of know what what happens, and especially with Better Call Saul happening. But um, it's a fun little journey to like just continue on that. So I think we're like through, we're like halfway through season three already. Somebody, somebody was tweeting recently. Rachel. No, it wasn't Rachel. It was somebody okay. else that I don't remember where. It, might, it, like, it wasn't like a viral thing, but it was just like, I'm tired of things doing prequels. Why are everybody doing a prequel? And then somebody's like, well, what about Saul? They're like, Saul's the exception. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? If I guess maybe there's a lot of, there's always prequels. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, I guess. Orphan First Kill. Like, there's a lot of prequels and stuff like that. But like, House of the Dragons, good. I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh, I thought that I haven't that started you... House of the Dragons yet. Is it good? Did you say you were watching it? I watched the first one. I talked about it briefly last week. I did not watch episode two yet. I'm going to watch it after we're done here tonight. Okay. But yeah, it's good. Plus, I already got renewed for season two. Like, it, the, yep. the numbers were good, and they went up in episode two, which is kind of rare. So uh, oh, I think, cool. you know, they have a good they have a good thing. So if you want more of that world, if you don't want more of the world, you're not going to, you know, who cares? But I never finished Game of Thrones. Like, I just, like, gave up. But, like, I figured I would start this and just, cont- like as something to watch. I'm I, but I'm also perfectly content just like giving up on a show when I think it's over. Yeah, and like I I was that's talking to somebody No, I was talking to somebody about I I feel like I think that's hard to do. I think that if you if somebody else has seen the entire show, I think it's easier for them to be like you could stop here. Like if you've never seen Weeds, I think like, okay, you could stop after season 3 or whatever. Like but I think if you're in the moment, it, it's kind of hard to have the sort of weird objectivity to like know when to stop, but if if you if you were good, if you had enough Game of Thrones, you can stop. Yeah, so, so and I do that with like a lot of things. Like uh, Rachel does get upset about it, but like if I know, like if I can sense that like a show is taking like a downturn, like I'll I'll just give up. And like you know, people will be like Dexter, but like you know, seasons three through six sucked, but seven was great. And I'm like, mm, yeah, well, seven after- is great. I will say Dexter seven is great. But I would say with Dexter, if if anybody out there is listening and wants to watch Dexter. 
don't watch it probably but either stop after two or three or four yeah that's what i'm saying so like i watched like i like i think i may have made of like just gotten into the beginning of like or halfway through three and i was like yeah i'm good (laughs) i will say it's it's annoying how good season seven of dexter is considering how bad five and six are it's just like you could have given people a clean break and then you come back whatever Oh, do one of those, like, um, like yeah, like, the show's gone and then it comes back? I don't situations. know. I don't know. And plus, it ends in a really good way. Seven and then eight totally drops the ball and the revival's also really? terrible. Yeah, it's oh, bad. Oh, man. Okay. See, this is this is what I try to avoid, but in the same sense, like, I know that I'm missing out on a lot of stuff. Anything else of note or just lying around watching TV? Oh, I'm really excited sports are back. That's what I actually did a lot of this weekend. Well, baseball's like, been on for months, so. Baseball's been on for months and they already released the schedule for next season and we giggled hard about yeah, it. Yeah, man, your joke is true. The baseball's never not happening. It's never not happening. Like, it's either the draft is in the middle of the season, or there's two drafts now somehow. None of it makes any sense to me. I, I like, I don't even, like, I'm not, like, even a hater of baseball. But just, like, the, the hilarity of that is, like, come on, that's pretty comical, right? Because it's, like, it's usually, like, um like, the football schedule comes out like, as something else happens, or, like, the hockey, like, one of the, you know, like, basketball, football, like, one of them releases, like, on, like, the Super Bowl of the other kind of thing, but baseball's just like, you know what, we're on our own fucking schedule, and we'll just do it all year round, and you'll just, like, that's what you'll get. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Fair but, enough. No, but I was watching, like, uh, F1, we had the last of the preseason games this week. I'm ready for real football. Did you watch Hard Knocks? Are you caught up? I'm caught up on Hard Knocks. I watched Hard Knocks. That's why I was a little bit late to, I was, instead of recording at 5, we're at 5.10 because I wanted to finish Hard Knocks. So I am through, I did Google because at the end of the episode, yep. David Blau hurts his knee and I'm like, yep. oh, and I Googled David Blau knee injury yep. or whatever. And it's just like, you know, since that episode aired, he got cut. Like two days ago, he like, another quarterback got cut and then he got, so I don't know, but I guess that'll all come out next week. Spoilers for real life. Whatever he, he got, he got cut yesterday, and I'm just like watching the episode, and I'm like, oh man! And then like today, they signed the 49ers' third quarterback. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that guy that the Vikings cut went to the Browns, so where all good things go to die. So. Did he? Did he really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Browns signed Kellen Mond, so mm-hmm. they had. That's like the seventh quarterback they have this summer. Well, do you, you realize know. that? No, I I don't watch. I I barely. I I know. I, I have. That's I have, what I'm saying. This is my extent of football knowledge right now. It's hard okay. knocks, and I have the Vikings on one list on Twitter, and that's about okay. it. And then like I see headlines. So like outside of that, I haven't watched. I never watch any preseason. I'm not as invested. It's also hard for me to care about football when fantasy baseball playoffs are happening and the Yankees are that's good. Fair. Like yeah, I'm just like I spend at least three hours a day watching the Yankees every day. So just like I can't. I can't spend more time on something else. Totally fine. But um, the Browns said, like, they have Deshaun Watson, which we know how that went. They signed Jacoby Brissett, which we know how that went. They had Josh Rosen, the chosen Rosen, and cut him to, I guess, pick up your guy. And they have this former Steelers third quarterback, Josh Dobbs. That's how many, five on my hand that I can list right now, not including, like, practice squad dudes right well, like what's that's funny just... is that for years they had like that tim couch jersey meme where yes! like, the guy just kept taping memes yes! over the back but like they, they they thought they had solved it and then they made baker, their situation yeah. worse way worse like, i'd still terrible. rather baker than any of them so even if baker's not great it is fun when the browns are bad it's it's this it's the most fun for me it's like absolutely my favorite like in our football group my one friend was just like i love how 
like unrelenting you are in shitting on the Browns at all times. Yeah. Like like that's like just the one team that I'm just like they're the fucking Browns. They'll always be the Browns. They deserve it. And then they do dumb scumbag shit like signed Deshaun Watson after he, you know, assaults four, 24 women mm-hmm. and they're totally fine with it. Like they're just like, yeah, like we like front lo- like backloaded the contract to like get around this stuff. Like so like not only did you know, you like like we're accomplices, you know. Like at that point, like you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna make him the highest paid guy ever. All these things. Okay, fuck the Browns. Okay, continue on. Sorry. How? Uh, what did you do <laughs> this weekend? Continue on with what you've been doing. Um, I other than watching lots of the Yankees stuff on Monday night, I joined. It had been a year since I had been on High School Slumber Party, but I rejoined the show because Mike invited me on. Brian is so over me. We had a blast. We talked about Voyage of the Rocky Aliens, which is great. Uh, that should be out soon, maybe this weekend. Maybe it's already okay. out by the time this comes out. I don't know, but it's a great movie. I also did a lottery pod with Bob about a book called The Migdalatropolis. We talked to the author, B.R. Yeager. That's going to come out soon as Very well. Very cool. I can't believe how many of these authors like you guys are talking to. It's awesome. It's good like six or seven guys. in a row. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. It's awesome. That's a. It's like a fire ash track like track record i'm very very proud of you guys keep it up that's awesome yeah we were you know i was say we were talking about like the success that we've had i'm like there's it, it's not crazy to think about a future where we we push one out into the world and uh an author's like oh hey i'd love to talk to you guys about the book or whatever because yes, like i reach yeah. out i now reach out to every author um but you know a, basically i was also saying to bob which is kind of funny is that like if people are aware of it if we don't put out an author interview, that means they either said no, which no, nobody has said no. That just means that they haven't gotten back to us yet. But Ignored like, it. I'm now whatever. reaching out yeah. to everybody. Yeah. So like if there's no episode, it's not because of us. It's because, you know, the author didn't give a shit or whatever. So, yeah. Did I watch anything? I put together my Hooptober list, which I sent you, which is the Letterbox Challenge, annual challenge of the ninth year. I only started it last year. But it starts in October. Not it starts in, September not... 15th. Um, okay. Because the guy who did it, okay. the guy who did it, it's 31 because that's how many days are in Halloween or in, in October. But he's like, I can't watch 31 days and 31 or 31 movies in 31 days. So I'm giving myself a little bit more time. So September 15th at midnight is when it starts. So it's 31 movies plus these like three bonus things in like 45 days or 46 days. Um, so I put that together because he put out the list. I guess it was on Toby Hooper's either because the Hooptober is named after Toby Hooper, the guy who directed like yeah. Chainsaw Massacre and everything. So. Either the day he died or the day he was born, August 26th was something. So I put together my list. I'm very excited. If you don't know about it, it's basically a letterboxed challenge to kind of encourage you to watch, like, horror movies you wouldn't otherwise see, I think. Like, uh, you know, he, there's all these like, kind of, like, rules and whatever. So for fans of Zack Attack, there is a Zack Efron movie that I will be watching that Joe might be watching, too. And we might be doing a podcast about coming out, so... Maybe. Keep an eye out for that. Did the you only- did you see that? Did you see that Antonio Brown video? By the way, no. They said like, D, like, are you still in football shape? And he's like, Jerry Jones, call me. And they were like, Oh, do you want to play for the Cowboys? And he goes, Maybe. Who wouldn't want to play for the Cowboys? Like, I'd play. And for then the Cowboys. they go, They go, Where do you see yourself in in, in two in two years? And he goes, The sky and points up. He's gonna he's gonna be dead. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what it meant, but like you have to watch the clip just to hear him go. Maybe because okay. like when I've like now when I hear it, I've been saying it for like the past week. Does Rachel does Rachel enjoy that, or is she tired of you saying it? It's not like super super often. So like okay, okay. like when it happened, it was it was maybe points to the the sky. All right, fair enough, fair enough. 
Sorry, good. No, uh, two movies I watched of note. Mark Hoffmeyer, past and presumably future guest of the show, recommended this movie called Baby Assassins. And Ooh, it's a Japanese kind of sort of high school movie. Like they graduate. So Brian could probably cover it. Um, but it's basically, it gave me never going back vibes. Hey. Sort of. But it's about like two young Japanese girls as hitmen. What, what's up? I got an idea. Let's force Brian to cover it on High School Summer Party and finally give him a movie that we just strong arm him into. Well, no, I do that most of the time. Like most of what I talk about on that show is stuff that I force him into. Ah, um, uh, okay. It's good though. It's it's very supremely weird. It, it gives me never going back vibes. Like you know how like they're kind of stoned. Oh, I by the way, I was talking about that last night. Yeah, because did you, because Leo broke up with your girl. I know my girlfriend's get, single again. She's getting a little too old. I mean, twenty five. She's <laughs> upper she... for a year or two. People have been like. They're still together. Like twenty four is pretty old for him. And now she's <laughs> yeah. twenty five, and so you know they've gone their separate ways. I saw great. I, I saw so many great memes and tweets, but one of them was like, "I want to know like the complexity of this. Like, does Leo like start picking fights when they turn twenty four to like prep, or is it like uh, I don't know, a twenty fifth birthday calls him and go, well, time's up. Like, how does this work? You know, like." I don't know, but yeah, never going back. I like more than this, and I told, I mentioned that to Mark last. I'm like, this movie reminds me of that because he had said, "I love this movie. Check this out when you can." So it's on. It's like a standalone streaming service called Hiya, which I think is like mostly like maybe. Oh, it's a channel on. It's like it's, it's yeah, a, like but a it, bullshit channel on like Pluto and stuff. Too. Yeah, but I did a seven day trial and then canceled the trial immediately. Um, but it, I just watched this movie and it was really good. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. I like Never Going Back better, but I was like, it reminds me of that. And he's like, oh, I'll check that out. He's like, I, he said, I think his quote was, it annoys me that I missed this one. I was like, look, no one talked about this. No, uh, it's great, it was though. on one year end list. And the only reason I watched it was because it was like 85 minutes. I'm just like, I'll watch that now. And it was great. So I I've been preaching the gospel it. for that one. But yep. yes. Thanks to you. I, I recommended it to a friend last night. And. Yeah, I hope that they watch it, too. It's a great movie. And then there's one other thing that I watched, which is basically an hour long. I don't know how you get this, um, but there was this thing called The Timekeepers of Eternity. There was a TV movie in the 90s called The Langoliers, which was based on a Stephen King story. Have you heard of this? Have you seen this movie or no? Nothing about this. So the movie probably stinks, but like growing up, I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It has like uh, Bronson Pinchot from Perfect Strangers, and it has like David Morse, who's been in a bunch of stuff. Okay. And it's like a two VHS movie, like one of the longer ones, whatever, TV movie. So this guy. How old were you? probably nine or ten like it's not like scary scary it's just like you know it's more atmospheric or whatever but i guess it was one of my first earlier horror movies for sure okay so you have nostalgia for it that's really cool yeah i don't know that i I don't know that it's good because this guy basically did like a racer trash thing where it's like that kind of thing but not that visual style uh because there's like he he basically takes elements from the movie and sort of applies them to the movie and kind of recuts it and like it turns it into like an hour long thing. So this okay. thing is really kind of incredible. It played at like film festivals and stuff, and now is kind of floating out there on the internet. I don't know what its ultimate distribution thing is, but he kind of remixes this movie in a really super cool way, which I really really enjoyed a lot. So in a movie that you love that was kind of random. Yes. Like, like I would oh, not say, cool. I would not tell anybody to watch now the Langoliers. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think it holds up, but. This movie, The Timekeepers of Eternity, is really cool. So if you could find that, watch that. It's only like a, it's like 61 minutes long or something. So, Cool. Special shout-out. Before we get to the patrons, special shout-out to one patron in particular. Jason Rainey drew this amazing thing for us Dude. for episode 250. We put it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm blown away at how fucking cool this thing well, is. Well, so I've seen his Twitter picture, his like cool, like cartoony... 
Yeah, and I was just it's like, awesome. that's a really cool thing. Like, yep. I yeah, agree. I was like, I was like, I wonder if I've like you know someone like Heather like not you know because he has like his rainystuff.com, which I like knew about but I never clicked on. I didn't realize that he was like a comic book artist or like has the abilities to be a comic. I don't know if he is or not, but like he's got the amazing he dr- he draws like crazy. So I would imagine he drew that of himself. But he drew you and me in so cool the space car from F nine with the iguana from Fast and Furious four on top. Yep. And it's happy 250, and the zero in 250 is Earth, and it's just it's super super cool. Um, so if you've not seen that yet, go look at any social platform of ours. It's awesome. Thank you to Jason. Thank you for being a patron and for drawing that and sharing with us. It was just super cool. But anyway, other patrons. So shout out once again to him. But other patrons. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of the aforementioned Ooh. High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato Tizanato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, the aforementioned again, Jason Rainey, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all for supporting us the $5 a month level or above. If you want to support us, TooFast2Forever.com gets you bonus episodes, early access episodes, $10 a month gets you, we'll cover a thing for you every lap now, which again, if you've not gotten your pick in, please get that in. Yeah. Too fast, too forever.com. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we have two comments, not on Tulane Blacktop. We get another one of the, the boomer favorites. Uh, we got on... Hollywood Nights. Hollywood Nights. Mm-hmm. Yes! What a guess, right? So Larry Reese just says, not the movie. And I responded, <laughs> correct, it's a podcast. Hope you enjoyed. And then that was he did a, not. a week ago. No, probably not. And then last night as we're recording, Kevin Z06 says, this channel is a joke. <laughs> so I said, we hope you're laughing with us and not at us. Each video is clearly marked as podcast, not the movie itself. Hope you enjoyed and laughed along. Neither of them, has rep- have, neither of them have responded yet. Kevin, Kevin Z06 is a great uh, YouTube name. Do you know he's like referencing like... A car? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Corvette Z06. Like, I think they, it's like all the Chevy, like, uh, they like, I think they make a Camaro Z06. What I love about the new YouTube is that they hide the dislike counts. And this one, I think because it's about movie length, has 21,000 oh. views. By the way, like, most of our, like, I, I think, as far as I know, Reaction Rocket is the only person who actually listens on YouTube. Like, I just put up there yeah, just in case yeah. people want to listen there. Almost all these views that we have, like I see the metrics, the average play is like three seconds. Like people, li- I know people listen to the show, but they're mostly downloading it on Spotify or Apple or whatever. Yeah. It makes when sense. it's on YouTube, people are like, oh, I want to watch this movie. Oh, this isn't the movie. They click away immediately. So there's 21,000 yep. views. The average is probably like three or four seconds, but it has 50 likes. It probably has like hundreds, if not, if not thousands of dislikes, but YouTube <laughs> hides that. So we don't know. Do they hide that for everyone on everything now? Is that like the Instagram yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. Like they don't show you how many likes I mean, there is. I can see it. I can see it as us, but nobody else can see how many people dislike Hollywood Nights. Okay. Let me actually look. Hold on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like we had in the last month 50,000 views, but 339 hours watched. It means it's an average playtime of like 24 seconds, which means that probably like people who are actually listening to a full thing are bumping it up like crazy, right? But, okay. Hollywood Nights. Oh, actually, 50 up, 50 down. So half people liked it. All right, not bad. That's cool. Not bad. That's better than I expected. I agree. Tulane Blacktop, uh, 88 up, 102 down. That has 32,000 views. 
So it's just like those numbers are mind boggling to me because like we don't get that many actual, but like there people aren't watching it 32,000 times. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that one Tokyo Drift that is 580,000 into the blue, 235,000. But like, I don't know that the Tokyo Drift one is so wild because like people clearly aren't listening to that, I don't think, but it has 1300 thumbs up and 900 thumbs down. So like mostly positive. I don't know. It's YouTube is a weird place, man. It is. It's a very... Hey, that's apparently how a lot of my friends only consume media. Like, they don't watch TV. They don't watch TV shows. They don't watch movies. They just watch YouTube videos all day. You that's can. Do. I mean, it's it's doable. So, shout yeah, out to all your Zoomer friends. They're not Zoomers. They're just really old millennials. <laughs> all right. Geriatric millennials. <laughs> exactly. Well, shout out to them and YouTube. If you want to email us, family at cageclub.me. We'll read it on the next episode oh i also do want to say it's not really on the streets news but remember i was talking about there was that like shaw scope box set that came out like a year or two ago that was like 10 shaw brothers movies but there's only like one i'd heard of yes 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 so they're finally putting out volume two of note to us it's 36 chamber shaolin our favorite return to the 36 chamber and disciples of the 36 i've not seen disciples of but it's another one but also in here is what we were talking about, The Boxer's Omen, that weird horror movie that we watched at your yes. house and recorded at your house, that we're like, why is this not available anywhere? They're finally re-releasing it. So shout out to... That movie was wild, right? And there yeah. was like, was... Oh, man, I... Shout out to I Arrow Video for doing that. I just remember him wear, wearing like a weird suit at some point and like the movie taking a weird turn. It's a wild movie. So, it is a wild movie. Yeah, I'm glad that it's going to be out there because I would imagine that Arrow is also going to. If they have the rights to put it on Blu-ray, they would probably also, you know, license that to some streamer. Like, I don't think they have their own streaming thing, but they could rent it. They could license it out somewhere. So, like, it'll be out there to watch. So, you know. That's cool. Yeah. It's always good. Good things when people, you know, when things are available to watch. Even if you don't want to watch them, it's good to have. So, shout out exactly. to them. But, Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. I posted a thing, I think, yesterday. But is there anything you have seen in the last week about the Fastiverse? Jason thinks I saw um, The Rock watching the, like, cut of Black Adam, like, the final cut of Black Adam okay. in, a, in a boardroom with just his big bald head behind, like, it's a shot of the back of his head and, like, one frame of Black Adam in front of him, and it looked like a very uncomfortable way to watch a movie. I was like, I, I imagine that this somehow happens better, but it doesn't, I guess. Like, because he was in, like, a conference room, like, a meeting room that you'd have, like, in an office building. Okay. And he's watching it, like, on, like, what would be, like, the, here's the presentation, like, you know, like, a 50-inch TV, but he's, like, at the head of a conference table, like, on the other side of the room, and, like, there's, like, kind of lights on and stuff. I'm like, wouldn't you just have, like, some kind of, like, small screening theater for this? But I guess, uh, who knows? I don't know. That feels like the worst way to watch any movie, right? Right? Yeah. Like, in, like, a rolly chair, like an office chair, and, like, the whole, yeah, I, I don't know. That's That was my whole, um, my whole, like, thought process when I saw this picture. Another on-the-streets thing, and, um, I was just reminded of this by Reaction Rocket and his, and his tweets recently, that they're filming uh, F-10 in front of 1327 again. Well, we knew that. That's why what we talked about last week with the, the neighbors being upset, like it was because of the filming yeah. and also just the dragsters. But yes, we know that but they're back. 
Yeah, they're just like confirmation. There's like pictures of them in front of thirteen twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like there's a lot of like not really like set spoilers, but like things that are like you know set photos that could be spoilers. Like I know there's like a I think somebody saw a DeLorean. Who knows if that's real or not? But yeah, yeah. that weird car on the side thing. I saw that too. Yeah, like, it was like on a bridge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the one thing I did see, and it's sort of vague news, but Natalie Emmanuel, who plays Ramsey, talked to the Hollywood Reporter about what Ramsey's up to in Fast 10, and she says, Ooh. quote, she's definitely much more open to driving than she was before, but in Fast 10, we see her taking the lead a little bit more and continuing to affirm her place in the group and her necessity within the group, which is always really fun. So, you know, we saw her learn to drive with that box truck, right? So... Yeah, with the magnets. Yep, yep, yep. It'll be cool if, you know, she has more to do. Hey, man, we've talked about this before. Everybody eventually is good at everything in these movies. Mm-hmm. So it was only a matter of time that she became, like, from going from the best hacker in the world to, like, the best driver in the world, the best shooter in the world. She should probably rock climb or something. Like, we'll get there. Yeah, for sure. But that's all the news that I've seen. Um, you know, anything that we see on set, if you have stuff in that you... If you think it's super important, like, tag us on Twitter or email it in. But oh, if it's just, sure, like, yeah. a cool thing or whatever, you know, just tweet about it or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think that's all the news that I've seen. But the final thing to do before we take a break and talk about Inside Man is the Fast and Furious Minute, Too Fast, Too Furious Minute, Minute 73. No other possible name for it other than a high metabolism. You know? (laughs) Man, when you start eating so much? I was in jail, bruh. I know how shitty the grub is on the inside. <laughs> With the way things are shaping up out here right now, it'll be a matter of time before I'm back in there or dead. So I'm trying to eat all I can while I can. Plus, the doctor tell me I got a high metabolism. <laughs> Man, you remember us growing up? You know, playing football in the dirt. You know, getting in trouble, all the stupid things we did. When you got busted, you know, whether I was a cop or not, you know, if there's anything I could have done, you know, I would have done it. And I just want you to know that. So in this minute, Brian and Roman finish joking around while prepping for Carter's job. We then cut to a pedestrian bridge overlooking the water at sunset, where Roman tells Brian why he eats so much. He's trying to live it up now that he's out of prison. And his doctor told him he has that aforementioned high metabolism. Brian reflects back on the time where he and Roman grew up together and then tells Roman he wants him to know he'd have done anything to help him when he got busted as the minute ends. And this is a nice one where it ends like there's more dialogue. The scene goes on, but it ends like perfectly after this line. I agree. And if it would have started like three seconds later, it would have been like one of those perfectly contained Mm -hmm. minutes. But I also thought about the framing of how perfect this minute worked out. So there's not a ton here. They're back in their clothes that they wore when scouting the warehouse for the scramble. So, like, remember we talked about, like, they're in one outfit, then they go to a different outfit, then they go back to the first one. Yes. Here in that yes. second one again, Romans in Timberland boots, which we didn't see in the last one. But, Joe, what did you notice? I think you said you found one thing of kind of note. I did. I found one cool thing. Oh, I just saw what you wrote up there, and I have a... Like, I want to talk about that, too. Mm -hmm. The main thing is, is they're on Pigeon Key, which is a small island in the Keys there. What is it? 
uh, in the Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail. Okay. It's like that's if you go there, you can't Google Maps like put a guy onto the island, but you can get kind of close to it and you can see like pictures that I think it would be a pretty cool place to watch a sunset, just okay. like the one that they have there. I looks awesome. And a cool side fact, the like bridge that leads to this little island is called the old Seven Mile Bridge, which now they currently have the new Seven Mile Bridge. And that's where the helicopter limo chase scene for James Cameron's True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger was filmed. But I thought that was pretty cool. I like when movies like have like overlapping uh, set pieces. Sure. So I always find that pretty interesting. Like Neptune's net being used in like everything ever. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That is, that's always fun for me. I want to talk about because I was going to ask you this, and you have it here. Well, I also what had it as a question the... too. I don't know. Yeah. Say say it again. Sorry, I, I jumped. I jumped on your line because I I don't know what the answer to this is. I just don't know what Roman's eating. Like at the, at the one at one point later in the minute, like I, I like I saw him take a bite of something. I like looked and like as I'm watching it a couple times and like looking around trying to find other stuff on the sides, which there's none of in this minute. Um, I was like, is he holding a hot dog like the weirdest way possible, like full fist, like not holding a hot dog like with like in the crest of your hand, but like if you made a fist He's holding around like a baseball a bat. Hot- yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's like a fist around it, like you would eat like I don't know, maybe like a banana or something or a candy bar. And it, I like I thought maybe it was a hot dog, but I think you're right. It it might be like a Snickers or something. It, but it looks makes like, like a, a candy bar scene from the end, like bitten into from like a, yes. a cross section look. I agree. Yes. But the issue is the sound effect they use makes it sound like he's biting into an apple. Also true. I and if you if you would have asked me before I played this. And like I close it in my like I close my eyes and try to imagine what it was. I pictured Apple. I also think my brain went Snickers bar because it's you aren't you when you're hungry, but it's you ain't you aren't you when you're hungry. hungry? Like it, it yes. feels like great cross promotion, but there's no indication I, that like didn't it, exist. I don't know that didn't exist back no. then. So I wanted to ask the question like when I heard the bite like because again as I've said before I watched these the first couple times without actually looking at it because I'm making sure that the like the script is right and I'm like yes. oh okay I'm gonna write down this down like he must be taking a bite of an apple because it sounds like an apple or a pear or something right some fruit yeah like and crunch. then I look and I'm like this is not it like because I guess if you're biting into a candy bar there's no sound effect right like it just like or maybe like a gloop but like not a crunch. No. So I wrote down what is Roman eating when he tells Brian it's a high metabolism, but like we can't do that one. So I think we have to do something about a line that either Roman or Brian says, either about, you know, Brian reflecting on them playing football in the dirt or why Roman is eating so much, either because he knows how shitty the grub is on the inside of prison he knows he might go back to prison. He knows he might die. And his, doc- his doctor says he's got a high metabolism. We could do like a, which of these is not a reason why he's eating. Because we have four different things like why he's eating so much. But That's a really good solution to this problem. I like that idea just based on the structure of it. Like the, the formality of it. I also really didn't remember in this minute that Brian does confirm that like, hey, I couldn't have helped you in this situation. Like, I know that Roman is mad at Brian because he thinks that Brian should have helped him when he went to prison, but I don't know, I didn't remember in this scene or any time that Brian says, like, if I could have helped you, I would have, I couldn't help you. You know what I mean? 
it's also nice, and I think we've almost for sure talked about this before, that they reference Dom without saying Dom, right? He's just like, is that why you, or wait, is that the next minute? That might it be the next like minute. It was like a previous that's, one. No, that's, like, the, that's the next the next line Roman says, is that why you did that thing for that guy in California? Brian says something about, like, spoilers for the next minute. He's like, yeah, I think it had something to do with that. But I forgot that that was a, that was a line that I copied uh, in here. But that's the next okay. minute. So they're going to talk about Dom in the next minute. But it's nice that they're, like, looking back at Brian's history of, like, bailing people out or not and why he makes the decisions that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably the most thoughtful any Fast and the Furious script has ever been about the previous content. Yeah, because as we've said before, they ever they, they don't prove that they've ever seen any of the earlier movies when they write <laughs> a new movie. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a really cool throwback. And he also, like, mentioned... He, this movie has a lot of, like, callbacks to, like, Brian getting in trouble for letting Dom go, which I like. Um, so I have here, which is not an excuse that Roma uses when explaining to Brian why he eats so much. And the four right answers, which I guess are the wrong answers to the question, is because food is bad in prison, because he thinks he could die soon, because he thinks he could go back to prison soon, because his doctor says he has a high metabolism. I need one wrong answer that's the right answer to the question. Um, he's been intermittent fasting. Okay. <laughs> so just that's obvious. Okay. I think we need one gimme in there somewhere, right? Sure. All right. I like it. It's real stupid, but it, it, it like that one is going to be like, especially when you get hammered with like Dom's cool, se- Brian working under a car, Suki applying decals, Ryan, Roman working on it. Like, like the next one, you're going to be like, fuck me. Like, okay. It's not intermittent fasting. Fair enough. I like it. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about this minute? Is it play? They're playing "Pump It Up" still. Oh, that's just from like the leftovers. It carries over and ends early. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, I think we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Cool. Well, then let's take a break and let us come back to talk about Inside Man. episode number 254 inside man literally this episode is brought to you by the hemi 392 the hemi 392 re-entered production cars with the launch of the 2011 dodge challenger srt8 shout out to uh hemi apache 392 v8 engine well, shout out to that and that engine, and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. You you say literally about Inside Man, like the like the title isn't like a, a, a pun, like a wink, like yeah. I know that's what I learned. That's because <laughs> you've never seen this movie before. No, no, and and I think that I actually haven't seen this. Not to be confused with me watching it. Oh boy, yeah. Let's, not let's, remembering let's it. Let's bring in our guest. Explain what's going on with us yeah. tonight. Is one of the hosts of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. We have Aaron Newworth. Hello, Aaron. Hi, hi, thanks for having me back. Welcome back. So I don't know if you know this drama, and drama is too or strong of a word. Or have experienced it before. Uh-huh. I would hope not, because Joe's brain is broken in a very specific way, where we did an episode on Hell or High Water, and he's like, I've never seen this movie, I'm looking forward to it, it sounds great, and he's like, I watched it, and I really liked it, I didn't love it, we talked him into loving it, 
And then as soon as the episode ends, Joe's lovely wife, Rachel, says to me, not only has Joe seen that movie before, we saw it <laughs> together in theaters. And so Joe just had absolutely no memory None. of the entire movie that we, that I love, that our guest loved. And yet Joe was like, nope, never Steve's seen it before. Very memorable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not like it was like 15 years ago. It was six years ago, which I understand. Yeah, it's like, not old movie. Times. <laughs> But it also, nope. it was like, it's a Best Picture nominee. Like, he and yep. Rachel make a uh -huh. big deal of going to see those. So now with Joe saying he's never seen Inside Man, we don't know if we can trust him or not. That That's fair, I suppose, uh, given this recent <laughs> memory blur that you've had for a, yeah. a, a, a pretty kick-ass movie that seems like right up your alley as far as the movies that you'd enjoy. But uh, yeah. you'll, have to, you'll have to go with it. Now, with that said, so you presuming this isn't, you haven't seen Inside Man, or even if you have and you forgot it completely, going into this, you hear the title Inside Man. I am curious what you thought that meant as far as in relation to the movie before you actually watched it. Like, from the first scene, I was like, this dude's in a wall somewhere. Like, really? From the I swear <laughs> to God, I, I'm not, like... Again, my brain's broken in a very specific way. Like, I was like, what if he really is the inside man? Like, and he's just inside. Because I was thinking, like, I personally like not leaving the house ever. Because, like, I don't like mm -hmm. dealing with people too often. So I was, like, laughing to myself that, like, maybe I'm the inside man. Well, it's because, like, like, the, I never it's like leave. the uh, Gary Busey movie Hider in the House, where a family moves into the house that he's been living in and he just hides in the walls and just kind of lives in the house. It's really yeah. weird and creepy. Um, but like Rachel, Rachel texted me about it. Had she seen it or had she not seen yes, it? Yes, she had seen it. She really likes this movie. She's a big fan. Okay, because she and had said like, "Were you able to enjoy the surprise?" And I was like, "No, no, no. I've seen this before." So okay, cool. So were you still surprised by the twist ending, which we'll talk about? But did you? Were you Absolutely still okay. not. No. Uh, yeah, completely, completely not. I like, I like, yeah, that first opening scene like i know that this is usually something that you should get me every time like personally and i was like nope i think he's hiding somewhere so like when he popped out of the walls i think that i got disappointed in the ending of the movie because i was waiting for a bigger twist at the end after he came out of the wall like this one was really obvious it's called inside man he was in the wall he just walks out what's the bigger twist and then there was no payoff and i was like oh man i well, can't believe I'm i ruined this for myself I, there I is I mean, like the the fact that you know there's various inside persons, <laughs> I guess, involved in this bank robbery. True, part of it. that's cool. Yes, and I was trying to like pick them out. That was fun, kind of like the whole um like usual suspects kind of vibe that you were getting. Like just the way they're interrogating people. Like you're you know you're very obviously led to believe that like they think that people in the bank some of them were part of this crime and like them trying to figure it out you trying to figure out who's actually there who was actually involved because well. when we just did lucky number 11 you're like i forget the twist every time it blows my mind every time and i'm really? like yep. this is exactly the kind okay. of thing where like you would you would sort of i think with your brain similarly forget that he's in the wall and you'd be like oh my god i can't believe it but like nope. it, it does telegraph it from the very beginning uh when he in the very first scene, it sort of explains what he's doing, where he is. Yep. The paint van says, we don't leave until the job is done, meaning like he's still there, right? Like there's oh, all these yeah. things that, that telegraph it. But I really thought like, not that, you know, it's impossible to decipher. Like people are like, oh yeah, I knew it was the same. Like, I knew it was the same guy. It's just like, no, that's not, there's no way that like you picked up on like some insane twist. This is gettable, but I was just, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of expected you to be surprised by it, but you know. Yes. You're the, you're the best that. detective in the room. If right away you're sniffing out like some very key thing, then yeah, it's not going to have much of an impact by the time you get to the end of this thing. And I, I mean, I'd argue, like, you know, when it comes to like twist movie, and I don't even argue this is a twist movie. This is more of a movie that has a resolution. 
But like when you're expecting some kind of, you know, oh, they did this and it changes my perspective kind of thing. Like the best movies that involved a quote unquote twist are ones where the movie itself still rocks. And it's just like, oh, that's a neat like thing at the end. I think Sixth yeah. Sense. Yes. Is a great, I think Sixth Sense is a great example of that where, you know, Bruce Willis being dead. It's like, OK, like that's, a you know, that that's a that's a neat thing for an audience to realize that obviously that's going to have an effect. But the movie is so effective beforehand because of everything else going on. It's like, that's just a nice cherry on top. Right. Something like Lucky Number 11, which I think is fine. I think that movie's entirely dependent on the fact that there's a twist in it. So it, yep. I, don't, I don't think... And it also a twist really, that like, it does not telegraph. Like, it does not... You could... There's no possible yeah. way to know <laughs> exactly. what the twists are ahead of time. Those, those are movies that feel like they're built on this reveal and they work yeah. backwards to get to it. That doesn't necessarily mm, yes. make them bad, but it does make them feel less rewarding than something that's all, you know, good throughout and then has another thing on top of it. Right. So now, Aaron, what is your history with Inside Man? Because I think I gave you the list of, like, early in the lap, I gave you the list of either all the movies you were doing or the ones that hadn't been claimed, and I think you picked this one pretty quickly. What mm-hmm. Have you seen this a bunch? Is this a favorite? What's your ties with Inside Man? So Spike Lee is one of my favorite filmmakers mm-hmm. in Jet period. I had no um, idea he, this was his movie, by the way, like, from the enough. jump. So, yeah, and <laughs> I was like, wow, Spike Lee, cool. This is also only the second Spike Lee, I think, ever covered by the network. Brian did He Got Game for Slumber Party, but I think I looked up, I don't know that we've ever done another Spike Lee movie, so pretty, you know, underrepresented, but yeah, for sure, he's great. But sorry, well, in terms of like the, No, you're fine. And in terms of, and not to, like, pigeonhole the podcast, but in terms of, like, the types of movies you do versus what Spike Lee does, like, yes. I, you know, I wouldn't exactly think, like, you know, She Hate Me is going to come up on the Too Fast, <laughs> right. too, too, fast too Forever podcast. Yeah. Well, the right, now, right? No, or is that, no, yeah, that's, no, wait, that's... That's he got game. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we could come up with like really, we have to build a lap around some of his themes. Well, right? I'm, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not denying the fact that you can make it work. Right. <laughs> just, it's not something where I'd be like, yeah, that probably happened. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's tougher <laughs> to do him than other directors. Absolutely. For sure. So Spike Lee, yeah, is one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, I like inside. I've, I saw it when it came out. I've seen it a few times since I own, I own it. So I just watch it at my pleasure. It, but it's honestly, it's not one where it's like, it doesn't rank very high in my Spike Lee rate. He's made like, like he's very prolific. He's made over like 30 movies. So, but it's like in the, in the middle, like I've never been like all around in love with inside man, the way a lot of people are given that it's a kind of genre blockbuster uh, yeah. for him, which is fairly unique for his filmography. Um, but that said, I've never really had a chance to like talk about it at length. So like I I'm, I was happy to embrace the the you know the opportunity to be like yes I can talk about Inside Man for an hour that's cool because I do think there's plenty of there's plenty of great stuff in it honestly this late this most recent time that I watched it um, in preparation for this podcast I've warmed to it more than I had before again not that I didn't like the movie but it's certainly you know having seen it a number of times and concentrating on the things that I think really work about it I, I think it just plays better now because it certainly has a almost a hangout vibe to it as far as the kind of movie it is and how it's approaching this bank robbery, bank, bank robbery, uh, hostage kind of plot line. But there, there's plenty there that's, I think, worth exploring and that holds up and even looks as it serves as a neat uh, representation of how things were at a certain time, given that this is a post 9-11 film. Um, and Spike Lee was making a number of films that were reacting to how New York had changed uh, right. since 9-11. It's, it's interesting to look at a movie like this, let alone some of his other movies, some are more obvious, like 25th Hour. A movie like this uh, does, you know, in addition to being a genre thriller, has, you know, social commentary going on or what have you, as any every Spike Lee movie does. So, like, there's a lot I like here. I, I've seen this movie plenty of times, so I'm happy to discuss it. 
Yeah, and it's one that, you know, when we get to the letterbox game, I picked two different reviews, and I don't remember which one we're going to wind up going with, but one of them talks about how New York this movie is, and something that you don't really remember, because you're like, most of it's in the bank, but like, most of it's just like in New York around the bank, mm-hmm. and like, like you're saying, post 9-11, and like, you know, what yeah. Arab Americans have to go through, and all that sort of stuff, right? But like, it's so hyper New York, like a lot of his movies, and... What's interesting, I think, about this movie compared to other heist movies we've done this lap is I think, I think, and this is just like a feel thing, we spend way more time with the cops, like mm-hmm. a higher percentage with the cops than with the criminals. Like he yeah. obviously is kind of like a 50-50 split. We spend a lot of time with Clive Owen and crew inside, but it feels like this is more them trying to crack the case as opposed to just like, hey, because like what they're doing the inside is like fairly kind of simple. It's like it's not it, it's like all the we don't see the planning. We just see the execution. And so yes. it's a yes. different ratio. It's purposely made ambiguous as well. Like, you know, they're mm-hmm. up to something, but you're not uh, you're made you're purposely made not to understand what that something's supposed to be until later on. So, yes, right. like, the cops are the ones that are actively pursuing this. And so your your perspective from their end is like, well, we're going to know all that they know us and, you know, give or take a few more things just because we have a camera inside the room. Uh, but yeah, there is a, and also the cops are, you know, it's Denzel Washington. That's who you want to follow for most right. of yes. <laughs> Couple quick trivia things before we get going. So a lot of this movie seems to be improvised to some extent or other. There's some things that I will mention as we go through, but it just seems like a lot of it was kind of like a little freewheeling. Is that something, Aaron, does Spike Lee have a lot of, like, it feels like it could go either way. Like, no, we're going to do it my way or like just have a little bit of fun with it. Like, do you know, is this, is improv something that he usually dabbles in with his movies? I mean, like with any movie, when it comes to like saying how much was improvised, it's like, well, yeah, obviously there's like a script and what have right. you and dia- dialogue, you know, when you have actors, it's not like Spike Lee, who's very good with actors. It, it's less about like, we're just throwing it away and doing what we want to and more about here's the idea of the scene. We know the kinds of things we need to hit. So we're going to use those, you know, we're going to use dialogue that fits us as the character, as New Yorkers, what have you, especially with someone like Denzel, whether this is his fifth time working with Spike Lee. I mean, so it's. There's a there's a natural back and forth with them and and you know Denzel's an actor that gives so anyone that's working with them there you know there's gonna be ad libs improvisations based off of we know where the scene's going we know what we have to hit but we can still kind of you know flesh out some of the some of the lines into our own colorful way yeah just like in terms of the improv like the the, the coffee shop scene where they're talking about like catching a cab or whatever like that's improvised like there's stuff in here which I think to your point Aaron just like okay we need to get to the end goal here and just like have Denzel and she would tell and whoever just shoot the shit and just wherever we want, however exactly. we get to the end, yeah. let it fly. Like a scene, like when the, um, when the random construction worker comes in is like 100% Albanian. I guarantee there's not like a whole list of dialogue. That's detailing every beat of that kind of <laughs> sequence. That is a, that is a pure, like we got an We got an actor who could do this. Denzel and she We're all just going to let them play for a bit. Mm-hmm. with this, you know, this whole sequence involving the ex-wife Albanian, what have you. I like mm-hmm. that's, that feels like, you know, a natural thing that comes from a scene that has a goal, but we need to get there. Yes, I would agree with that full-heartedly. So apparently, Willem Dafoe got involved with this. This is kind of a fun story, that he and Spike Lee were both seeing Julius Caesar on Broadway, which Denzel was in, and they just, like, ran into each other in the bathroom, and he's like, hey, Willem, we should work together. He's like, yeah, Spike, we should, and then, like, they just did. So, like, it just happened to be like they were both (laughs) seeing, which is, like, the Mm -hmm. weirdest, kind of coolest whatever little, so I like that. That's purely Willem Dafoe being a New York actor that just likes taking work. Like that's that's his thing. He's like, yeah, I like I like work. That's why he appears in this movie like Seventh Build. He's like, yeah, I'm just here. I'm just hanging out. Yeah, I was super <laughs> confused by that. Yeah, because he just like shows up, but he's like not like a prominent character in this. And I'm like, yeah. okay. What's wild about his inclusion here is that the whole time it's like 
in another New York movie, in World Trade Center, Michael uh-huh. Shannon is this, like, good-hearted Samaritan who, like, comes down and just like, I need to help the city. Like, I just feel this calling to help the city. But because Willem Dafoe and Michael Shannon are, like, known for playing, like, fucked up people, like, I see Willem Dafoe, I'm like, ooh, what's his angle? Just like, no, he's just a cop. Like, it's just, yeah. like, he's just... <laughs> he's, <laughs> but I'm like, ooh, there's something going on here. It's like, no, it's just, like, he's been... I see him, like, fucking in the woods in Antichrist or whatever. Like, he's Bobby Peru in Wild at Heart. I'm like, ooh, there's something going on here. Just, no, he's just a cop. Like, you know. Yeah, he, he, like, he likes hanging out. He That's why, it's, like, he he's similar to, like, someone like Alfred Molina. And that's why it's a trip to see both of them in that in the last Spider-Man movie. Because they're both actors that, sure, can play big, can be, like, villains or what have you. But they're also, like, guys that are willing to just come on and be, like, be like I said, like, seventh build in a movie. Just kind of yeah. hang out. And so it's like, yeah, Willem Dafoe, he's just here. He's yeah. just playing a regular guy. He's playing a cop. He's on the scene <laughs> but it gives you like it gives a level of authenticity as far as like you can respect you don't need a lot from these people to believe what's going on because you have people like Chiwetella Giafor and Willem Dafoe that don't have to define their characters just need to be present to begin with and you're like yeah I get it for sure absolutely also in this movie is Jodie Foster as a character named Madeline who's like this sort of I guess she's a lawyer I guess like a or some a fixer I would fixer? say more like yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. like Winston Wolf, right? Basically, she's like the wolf or like Michael Clayton, like George yeah. Clooney. Okay, Clayton, like, yeah. <laughs> and she, that role, I think she's really good in this. But Rachel Nichols, Kate Hudson, not our Kate Hudson, but the Kate Hudson, Rachel Lee Cook, and Jennifer Jason Lee were all offered that role but turned it down. Marsha Cross originally cast. Jennifer Love Hewitt offered the role. Jennifer Connelly <laughs> auditioned for the role. So like, just wow. seems like every like, you know pretty brunette and then they got a pretty blonde so it's just like it's a weird like whatever but i think she's great in this movie but it seems like everyone was wanted or like considered for that part and i wound up with her so you know always i think it's always interesting to hear like who was almost in it but like i'm everyone? glad that jody foster yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and the only other thing i want to say is that this was obviously directed by spike lee we talked about him but it was originally going to be russell crowe oh, no no ron howard ron but then howard. russell crowe showed in the script for cinderella man another movie that i really like and so he did that one instead i can't imagine this like, it would have been so totally different if this was a ron howard movie it'd be more straightforward um that doesn't does that is like necessarily make it bad like ransom is a pretty straightforward movie as far as like a genre thriller goes it's just you know it's different but i do think having something like this there's definitely a, a cultural flavor that comes from having spike lee casting who he wants to cast and making it more to you like i could see spike lee making this movie personal obviously yeah. i can't necessarily see ron howard making this movie like feel like yeah it's from a new yorker that you know knows new york like just it'll probably feel more familiar when yes. it comes to heist movies yes so with all that out of the way, uh, quick plot summary. This is available to stream on HBO Max if you have not seen it yet. I mean, we already spoiled the ending, That's how kind I of. It, but yeah. when an armed, masked gang enters a Manhattan bank, locks the doors, and takes hostages, the detective assigned to effect their release enters negotiations preoccupied with corruption charges he is facing. Which is, I guess, kind of what it's about, but not really what it's about, but also mostly what it's about. But that's Inside Man. But Joe, other than sort of guessing the ending... What did you think of this movie overall? I think the cast was great. The acting was great. I I was sitting here saying something that is going to sound really dumb to you guys, but I was just sitting there thinking like, man, I haven't seen a Denzel Washington movie in a long time, and he is so fucking good. Yeah. Like, that's what I was like. Like, it's so obvious, and I know th- everybody thinks that, but I was just like, damn, I need to go back and watch, like, more Denzel and, like, revisit some of the ones that I've seen because, like, he was just, like, so awesome in this movie. Clive Owen, I think, was, like, he was good, but that I think that role could have been replaced with somebody better. 
I don't know who, like, I don't have anybody in mind, but, like, I feel like we could have done a little bit different than that. I feel like I went through a real Clive Owen phase around this time, and I don't know why. It might have been because of, like, shoot him up which is like the next year, but like the world, the world did the yeah. world went through a Clive Owen phase between yeah. like 2003 and 2008 when they're like, this guy's cool. I like him in those BMW commercials. Um, I love those. I, I, I love I, those. I obviously children of men was a huge thing for him. Mm-hmm. And, he yep. was and while he, it was never officially a thing. He was one of those, like, we want this guy to be bond. Didn't happen. Was never even in the consideration as far as he's concerned. Um, but like, he's like cool British guy that we think could really work in things, and it just never really took off in that way. But there was certainly that period where Clive Owen was in things, and he's an Oscar-nominated actor for that movie Closer. Cl- closer. So it's like, yeah, there's there, for 2006. It's like, yeah, this makes sense that he's in this movie. Yeah. I do. Someone brought this. A friend of mine brought this up to me the other day. As far as so, is Clive Owen ever actually good? Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it's meant as an insult. It's more like, did he really have it, or did we just like really like the idea? Yeah, there of are him? certain guys that like Hollywood, just like we're gonna make this guy a thing, whether you want mm. it or not. And it's like, that, hmm. okay, good. I'm glad you but guys are feeling kind of the I, same way. I, that I will I was. say that's though, cool. his two season show, The Nick, that Soderbergh made great. on great. Cinemax, yeah. is like the best. It's one of the best shows of the decade, and he's incredible on it. So like, he has been great. But that that almost feels like the post, like in sports, there's like the post hype breakout, where just like this guy was supposed to be great, he kind of flopped. But now that the pressure's off, he can kind of go do his own thing. And that kind of feels like what it was here. Just like he's not really this like Hollywood, like this leading man, but like he can be in the right hands. Obviously, like Soderbergh, one of the best. Not that Spike Lee's not one of the best, but like this is more of an ensemble thing than just a, a Clive Owen movie, right? So he, wor- I think he works here. But I think he works in ensembles. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, he's the handsome British guy. So, yeah. like, you like naturally, you're like, he should be the lead of things. But you look at the, the movies he's in. Uh, you know, shoot him up, notwithstanding, because that movie's fun. Um, and, it, and Children of Men, obviously, is great, but for a variety of reasons. But you look at, like, him in, like, Sin City or something, it's like, he can hold his own in, like, these smaller kind of parts. But, like, when you look at the leads that he's had, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really, it really clicked with right. people. And, Joe, I will, I have to say that you might know Closer as the movie starring pink-haired Natalie Portman, which you don't know that movie, oh, but... Yeah. We also watched uh, Song to Song, the Malik movie yes. for the Gosling podcast. And Joe was like, who is this blonde-haired Natalie Portman woman? I'm just like, oh, Natalie Portman? So closer, <laughs> famously, the pink-haired Natalie Portman movie. You're getting um, a look inside today, Aaron. This oh, is- yeah. I'm, I'm airing all of Joe's like weird, not dirty laundry, just like, you know, mostly clean just laundry. Quirks. Just like, what's out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you liked, you loved Enzel. You liked but could have replaced Clive Owen. But what else? Yeah. I think the nature of the movie with like who's involved and who isn't kind of makes it murky on that end. Cause like, you know, I was thinking we were talking like, you know, our heist lap and like mm-hmm. who you'd pick. And it's like pretty much impossible to pick anyone from this movie. Right. Like as like who you'd want on your heist. I think team it has to be Clive Owen, but like, yeah, there's, we don't see him there's do no anything. Other option. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I was hoping like, Oh, you know what? No, I, I did. Um, like when I came to the end of the movie, I was like, the other option would have to be like Jodie Foster. Like, you have, like, a fixer on your Mm -hmm. heist team. Even then, it feels like a cop-out. There's pretty much only two options, and, like, one's kind of a stretch. I will say, while we're on that topic, uh, the Patreon poll that I put up there, 60% of the vote went to my girl Hattie last time from Hobbs and Shaw. So I got three of the five votes. Magdalena got one of the votes. Rachel from Off Microphone, all of the Usos got one vote, and nobody said Deckard. I'm sorry, Joe. It's okay. No worries. But you slept Deckard. Yeah, like, Aaron, all lap this lap 
as we've been doing heist movies for both the Fast and Furious movies and the Pit Stops, we've been picking someone to assemble this, like, ultimate heist team that we're going to do something with in a couple weeks. I don't know what Mm -hmm. yet exactly. But, like, it's hard. I think, like, what Joe's saying, I think, is right. Like, it's hard to pick someone in here because, like, no one really distinguishes themselves as, like, a super adept criminal because, like, they all kind of do everything and nothing, right? And they're a mystery till the end. Like, you can't really, like, I can't point out, like, what each one did because they're all, like, it's part of the the story like, you'd have to assume clive Owen just because he's probably the one that planned this mm-hmm. so, yeah so, but but in terms of like you know action on screen yes i agree with you there's a lot again there's a lot of ambiguity on purpose i'm curious real quick did you have you guys done the oceans movies for this already no we no. haven't because i did them for when we did soderbergh for cinemakers and like okay. the, the issue is there are like a hundred great heist movies like we could do another yeah. entire lap of these like i would i love 11 and 12 and i like 13 and i really like eight so like we could do those yep. too but i was just going to posit uh that it's it's easy to be like yeah Clooney or pitt or somebody but you know casey affleck and scott Kahn, they're doing so much of the grunt work yeah, in those movies <laughs> like that they'd probably be my pick as far as like together them to, like it'd have to be a unit yeah like, they are like the leo and santos from fast five like they're the ones who are going to go in the bathroom and like exactly set a bomb or whatever, right? Right? exactly that yeah yeah. yeah, those ones are fun when you have, like, a full cast where, like, everybody kind of has their own, like, niche abilities and stuff like that. Like, even as we get deeper in Fast and the Furious, it's kind of like everybody can do everything type situation, mm-hmm. so. Oh, I will say, while we're on the topic of the Oceans movies, I mentioned that movie that I watched, Baby Assassins. Aaron, have you seen Baby Assassins? Uh, I know of it, and it's on my queue and I think, Canopy right now or something. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, I said I, I signed up for a high ya trial through Amazon and canceled it immediately, but I watched it because our mutual friend Mark Hoffmeyer loved it and recommended it, so I watched it. Mm-hmm. And there's a joke in there that this, like, Yakuza boss is talking about how, like, the world has changed. It's a woman's world now. Haven't you seen Ocean's 8? And I'm just like, that's such a weird, <laughs> specific, like, already dated reference that, like, I loved because it's, like, so weird. Like, we talk about, like, Game of Thrones references, like, being outdated. I'm like, Mm-hmm. No one makes Ocean's 8 jokes. Like, what? It, what? But I loved it because I'm like, this is such a weird out there kind of like for a Yakuza boss to reference like Ocean's 8, a movie that like I don't know anybody talked about. Like, I, I loved it for being so weird. <laughs> that, is, that is fun and specific. I mean, what, what we do in The Shadows, the TV series as a whole episode devoted to a guy that's in love with Ocean's 12. And that's that's kind of that's my kind of thing right there. <laughs> that's yeah. the joke that you're going with. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Um, but Joe, overall, thumbs up, thumbs down. Overall, thumbs up, uh, minus like me kind of disappointing myself with him being in the wall. Um, I The other like ending of him dealing with Denzel bumping into him, I thought that he was going to do like a pickpocket on him, but he did a reverse and like dropped a diamond into his pocket to be like, haha, gotcha. That's a cool ending. I like that... Um, the Nazis get fucked at the end, like, presumably. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The Nazi backstory, I was like, that's an interesting, weird twist out of nowhere. And you're right, like, the, the social commentary of that was cool. Thumbs up. I, d- I did like the movie. There's There was a lot more that I liked than I didn't like. And like I said, the disappointment that I had was just because I guessed that he was inside the wall when he's like, I'm in a prison. And, the, like, it's the other. The thing was that they put shelving on the inside of that. If there was no shelving on the inside of that other wall, I would have been fine and I would have gotten convinced. But because they had the, like, matching, like, wire rack shelving right. inside the wall, when when they got to, like, that part of the bank... And I saw it. I was like, "Oh, he's probably just on the other." Like it, like it looked too similar, right? Like that's what threw me. So 
Right. You're just too smart. You're the best detective in the room. I, I'm, I'm not. This is that's why I'm also confused. Cause like, I, then I, then that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, inside man, ha ha ha. I'm such an idiot. Uh, like, and like laughing about it. And then when it did happen, I was like, come on, man. Like, if I got this, that was bad. But everybody gets lucky. Exactly. <laughs> Broken clock. Broken clock, man. Uh, I do think that like, for a movie that feels so firmly in the years after 9-11, this does still feel kind of timeless. I think a big part of that is yes. them collecting the cell phones very early on. Um, I love the whole Peter Hammond thing where they're like, you, you left your cell phone at home? Like, all right. And he like goes through all those phones. Like, I remember that so vividly from when I'd seen it and like finally finding a phone with his number in and calling it. And then it's Kanye's gold digger, like this old yes. white bank guy, which is very, very funny. Yes. But it, like they remove the tech entirely. And like, it's a modern movie that's also like, just a couple years after 9-11, but also feels like it could have just been made this year, I think, in a way that, like, is really, I think, a testament to how well this movie is made. Yeah, I mean, it's a genre movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so something something like that, it has to appeal to, or has to adhere to certain sort of rhythms, certain kinds of tropes and what have you. And by doing that, Spike Lee allows himself to insert what he wants as far as the New York stuff, right? The, the uh, you know, having a Sikh get accosted, having, uh, you know, various uh, things like the video game that the kid has or, you know, yep. whatnot. Like those are little details that certainly reflect a time period and things that he's seeing within that time. But yes, it's also a movie where it's, you know, a cop and a robber facing off against each other mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the fallout from that, which... It, you know, it's, it's uh, Dog Day Afternoons from the 70s. I mean, it, there's a lot yep. that connects both movies without sharing a time frame. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of, like, staples of the heist genre. Certainly something like this, uh, uh, you know, hostage situation that, that resonate, you know, whenever you're watching it. Yeah. Two things that I really liked that I forgot to mention earlier was I do like that it all takes place in the bank and you're pretty much, like, immediately thrown into the movie and you're dealing with just that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I get it that it's from, like, the cop's perspective and stuff, but just, like, staying local in the bank, just dealing with this one heist is nice, considering, you know, we were talking about, like, the structure of a heist movie and, like, a heist at the beginning, a heist at the end, or planning for a heist at the end, or, you know, like, just being thrown into just one heist is cool. I wonder, hold on, hold, hold your second point, because I, I, I have a question. I, I think the answer is probably no, because I don't know who would want this. Like, you know how, mm-hmm. like, famously, like, Reservoir Dogs, you don't see the heist, right? Like, it's all, like, they plan a little bit, and then it's all after the fact. Like, it's the fallout. It's, like, what happened. This is almost entirely just the heist. Has there ever been a movie where they only plan for the heist, and you don't actually see them execute it? Because it feels like that's a weird kind of trilogy, where it's, like, all the buildup, and then a heist itself, and then a fallout from a heist with, like only that phase do either of you know a movie where they plan for a heist and then actually like the movie ends as they're about to go do it like i don't know who would want to see that but i feel like i think an audience would rage i'm not going to say no just because i don't have the answer to that question but i would say that you know part of the appeal that i when i whenever i write about a heist movie when there was a new one comes out the thing i always lock on to is the fact that the audience wants them to get away with it Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. unless they're like they're de- unless the movie's designed to make them clearly like a horrible villain or something like. For the most part, you're dealing with like antiheroes or sympathetic villains or something like that, where you're like the audience wants them to pull this off because they want to see how it would get done. Just like you know, you want to see the bus blow up in speed. You don't want people people dying, but you want to see that bus blow up. That's just part yeah. of the thing. So yeah. like, you want to see them do the heist and get away with it because that's just naturally where your mind's flowing. You're like, yeah, this is really int- I'm engaged by this. So. There's just no reason to do that as far as setting up a movie that's all planning and then no payoff because 
that's the, there's no payoff. Like that's how movies work. Yeah, right? it almost feels like it would be like a play, like a stage play. Like it's like three guys sure. in a room where there's or like a movie that has like no budget. It's just like the coolest uh-huh. like setup, and then like you just leave or whatever, and like, like then like, the screen goes black, and you just hear like bang, bang or I don't know. But like there's certainly yeah. there's certainly movies that you know just you know take away that aspect of it to show the fallout from it. Like Reservoir Dogs is a perfect example. You don't see the heist at all in Reservoir Dogs. You just see the aftermath. Like, but you also don't really see the planning necessarily. You see the build up to over because it's non-linear you see the characters established or what have you or something even like like ambulance to an extent right ambulance you don't really see the heist you see them enter you see them already everybody already being a hostage but you don't really see like them getting them you know you see them running out with the bags but you don't you know there's just like less of it compared to and some I wonder how much of that is like you know when we started this lap i think joe was like i don't know how you go i don't i don't know what we're gonna do when we watch like 15 heist movies in a row because like to a certain extent they're all like similar but i think like what makes one stand out or like what makes the good one stand out is that you twist it in some way either like you're saying with ambulance, like you show certain things or don't show certain things or focus on different elements. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh, this is like, you know, them using these lanterns to disable the, the security cameras. Like that's cool. But like, that's not what this movie relies on. Like, there's other things this movie relies on. Like I feel like what makes certain, and probably true of all movies and all genres, but like here specifically, it's like, what are you doing that we haven't seen a hundred times before? And mm-hmm. ambulance does that, and this does that, and a bunch of like the good ones that we've covered. Obviously, this lab yeah, all the, the do best their own ones thing. do that, or the best ones just know yeah, how yeah, to yeah. use the formula to their advantage. I'm curious if you guys watched the French film Rafifi. No, yeah. that was another one that was on the list. I I I, I try not to go too many mm-hmm. like classic Criterion things because like you know even if they're great, it's some it's sometimes hard to you know. Fair enough. That's my that's my favorite heist. It's one of my favorite movies in general because it's terrific. But it has a thirty minute segment that they're doing the heist and it's completely silent. There's no dialogue whatsoever. It's brilliant. Like we I, still yeah. have not done yet. Fish called Wanda, Out of Sight, Reservoir Dogs, Rafifi, The Silent Partner, Taking Helm One Two Three, The Ocean Series, Bottle Rocket. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Incept, like there's so many snatched. My, usual my mind like, is like, why, why did I choose Inside Man? And suddenly, my, my mind's telling me right now. It's like so many crazy. Like, we haven't done any of those, right? Like that's not like those are ones that we're not doing. Like those are all the leftovers. Like it's crazy uh-huh. how many great movies there are, right? So yeah, there is, yeah. It's a good genre. I mean, you get because you get so many different angles. You get you know the cop, you get the robber, you get the planning, you get the entry, you get the thriller. You, you know, it could be comedic, it could be dramatic, it could be mm-hmm. suspenseful, it could be horrible. Yeah. Like, there's so many ways to play with. That's why you've had heist films for you know the better part of a century. Plus, like, what little kid didn't start out like playing cops and robbers, yeah. or you know what I mean? Like, so there's like an like an inherent nostalgia to it too that just mm-hmm. works, right? If we do another heist lap, we will do Rafifi, and you can be on there. I also do want to make sure that we do Hurricane Heist, talking about like all different kinds yeah. of heist movies. Hurricane Heist is a terrible, super heist movie. movie yeah. because it mm-hmm. has the giant skull that comes out and, and terrifies someone and never comes back again. Love it, <laughs> love it so much. You think that'd be a thing they'd follow up on? It's like, no, we're good. <laughs> One thing I want to bring up here that does not necessarily age super well is the fact that like two women being busty brunettes is like a plot point. It's just like, come on, man. Like, I get, but like, Spike Lee is just like filling this movie with like babes. Like, the the Albanian ex-wife comes in. Yep. And yep. there's the, you know, the crew member whose name is Kim Director, who I love that as a name. It sounds like such a fake name. But like, it's just like, oh, like you're you're ogling this like woman that you're interrogating. And she's like making jokes like to defend like whatever. But like, the fact that you really had to like have a thing that be like, oh, look, there's only two women in here who have like huge chests or it's just like, what did, what are we doing here? <laughs> There's a point to make about like the you know inherent misogyny that come and sexism that comes with these kind of places, but it's the kind of movie where there's so much else going on where it doesn't you know it doesn't 
seem to play for anything but you know laughs essentially so the other thing that i like and now that we're kind of like teetering back to spike lee is there's some excellent excellent shots in this movie and it starts off with the one that we were getting close to with the cell phone when he uses the like the glass like the privacy glass to like beat that guy Mm -hmm. and like have everyone's reaction be so real and you don't even see it and you just like see his like feet on the ground or whatever after he beat this guy because he like lied about his cell phone that is like top tier take a step back like like that is great it's the bit before that that gets me where he like he gets the phone out he goes through the whole ordeal he gets the gold digger playing and then yes. he's like no, don't worry about it taps him on the shoulder then he goes in by himself yeah. and just play acts him dealing with this fact right because there's no like he knows what he's yes. going to do but he does yeah. this like little play acting bit where he puts like his arms in front of himself he's like hmm weighs his hands and then he comes back yeah. and drags him in there and beats him it's just so it's such a like that's the best bit of clive owen in this movie in my opinion like just hit, like the fact that they made him like go through a little like a little play bit for him to like make it seem like he's weighing his decision before he actually just destroys this guy i absolutely agree like everything about that scene i was like this is great just like cut this out Like, I mean, like, the movie's good, but, like, cut that out and just be like, yep, I could watch that over and over and over again. (laughs) It's incredible. I also, I mean, the opening scene where he's doing the, like, the who, what, where, when, why, whatever, where he's in front of a black background, and then he, like, it's zooming in as it's pushing, or it's pushing in as it's, like, flattening, and, like, it goes from a black background into actual, like, prison, bank, wall, whatever is just amazing, and then there's also the very sort of famous like Spike yep. Lee shot where yep. Denzel, after he thinks that he has had his actions have caused a hostage to die, we get that like I don't know how like it, it seems like he's on like a moped like a like a, a segue it's, where segue. It's a it's he calls it the double dolly shot because it's it's a dolly on a dolly essentially where he where it's a it's a it's a track laid out and he's he's standing on the actual like camera rig so you can just slide it essentially but he, yeah. he does that like in most movies right like yeah, I've it's, seen a, it in it, other it's movies. a it's a signature spike lee shot especially with, with denzel because he's he's dude who works for him takes you out of it but it's also like so weird and cool like and it's he uses it at the right like i like it he uses it at the right point but it's like it's also it's weird it's the kind of thing where i'm watching this movie thinking when's this gonna happen because mm-hmm. I, I just know spike lee's films and i'm thinking like well, okay when, when are we gonna get that shot because you just kind of you know, you certain directors, you expect certain things. And I'm like, okay, this is a perfect, like when he does do it, it's like, okay, yeah, it works. I remember when I saw it, some people were like audible about it because it is a kind of, even though the movie's already broken the fourth wall or what have you, like it is a kind of like almost fantastical element to include in a movie like this where yes. you know, the next person gets shot in the face and the next thing that happens is Denzel's like floating through the air or, you know, flo- floating across the street very rapidly. And it's like, that's weird if you don't like know <laughs> or what have you. It's like it's a different right. kind of thing, but yeah, certainly a good shot and intriguing to see it used in, in this in this way. I followed Demi Adijuibe on Letterbox. We've talked about him before because he's a big fan of the series. He's done. He did the night before Fast and Furious. Yep, that poem that we read for Christmas one year, and <laughs> he wrote a review on Letterboxd, and he said 
really good movie, but what's with that one shot that completely takes you out of the movie? And then he said, edit. And like he came back like years later and he's like, I can't believe this one thing I said made so many dudes upset on Twitter. He's like, sometimes people forget that I was just like a 21 year old, like using this as like a film journal that would just happen to be public or whatever. But it is weird. Like if you if you've never seen the Spike Lee movie before, if you've never seen him do that, you're like, what the fuck is going on? But then like, as soon as you see it like a second time, you're like, oh, OK, this is just the thing he does. But if this is the only time you've ever seen it, it's like, what, what, what? Even I mean, I get it. And even outside of that, though, it's like, I mean, the movie being a genre movie and being a movie that has it's not like it's the only elaborate camera work that happens in this film. I mean, there, you are like you already mentioned basically the, the jaw shot that's taken, the, you know, the dolly zoom shot as far as um, Clive Owen in the bank and or yeah, in the bank back room and the way, it, you know, zooms and flattens at the same time. It does that with Christopher Plummer a few times as well. Like he's he is doing things throughout this mm-hmm. movie, which is part of what gives this movie its own identity and why it's stand, stood up. Yep. The test of time. It's, yep. it, it's a movie where, you know, Spike Lee, as I said, is one of my favorite directors. Give him a budget. He's going to use it. And right, that's yeah. something that's very apparent in this movie. It's, you know, it's not a huge budget movie, but it's certainly a movie that has more of a budget than Spike Lee generally gets for films like this because it's a genre movie produced by Brian Grazer. So it's going to have and, it you know, it has movie stars in it. So it's going right. to have more it can play with. And, you know, Spike Lee's not boring as a filmmaker. He's a very visual guy. He, he knows how to, you know, make camera work look interesting. He's, he does that throughout this film. There's a lot of great POV shots. There's great overhead yep. shots. There's all cut. There's the when when Ziggy from The Wire is getting dragged through the different offices when he's being too loud. Like there's it's just like oh, keeps yeah. him. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot of like just interesting even stuff taking place. throughout the movie. Yeah. Even that set piece, having it go just like deep. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. just a very interesting yeah. choice that you don't see often, and like we just keep walking like back and forth, like just deeper and deeper, office, office, office. Like mm-hmm. that's awesome. I agree. Let alone the the interrogation scenes that are shot like with you know a, a super uh, super gritty like like probably sixty millimeter. Did like, you very like those or no? For one thing, I like it because of its placement, where it's like, okay, this is that's something that very much establishes a different kind of heist movie. Because like, okay, we already know that the heist has ended at some point. Mm-hmm. Yep, happened, yep. Or leading up to how what went down exactly, but then yeah, the way it's the way it's shot, it's coming at a certain time. As far as there's a lot of filmmakers that were using like desaturated looks or like that to distinguish things. Um, but I, I mean, I like it. It's 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 interesting. It's not like my favorite thing <laughs> that of you know, Spike Lee's tricks in this movie, but like it's a, it's an interesting pro- approach. Two things that you said remind me of other things. Speaking of Ziggy from the Wire, we do get Denzel at the end. Maybe a reference to Downtown Clay Davis. We do get a shit like toward the Ooh, end of the movie, which I really enjoy. Nice. Yeah, um, but. Also, going back to Ambulance for a second, what I loved about this movie in terms of you saying, like, if you give him a budget, he's going to use it. Like, when they're roping off the, like, or, like, taping off the police zone outside the front Mm -hmm. of the bank in this movie, there's that nice, I guess, a helicopter shot or, like, an aerial shot of some kind from above. And, like, it makes it look like chess pieces on a board or whatever, basically. Compare that to Ambulance, where, like, three or four times Michael Bay does that, like, camera that, like, basically looks like a a parkour runner going off the edge of a building going straight down for no purpose. Three or four times being... That's such a light number that you've used there. It's like six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten yeah, times. A bunch. But like that stands out because I'm just like, that's so weird. And it's just there to look cool. Like this is like, you know, they're looking down like there's like this like aerial. Like there's a reason to it here. As opposed to that, it's just like Michael Bay's like, yeah, it's going to look cool, right? I'll, I'll say this because in defense of Michael Bay, who a director I that love I love Michael Bay. I'm not shitting on him. I just think that, you know, sometimes it's it's style over substance. I, I agree with you to a point because it's, yes, the my problem with that in Ambulance is, 
it is cool to see the first, second, third time, but the problem is there's no directorial purpose to it beyond the fact that I have these drone cameras and I found a cool mm-hmm. thing to do with them. It, it like there's so many times where he does it, but it doesn't like connect to the scene. There's right. it, but there, but there are points where it does. So it's like be consistent with that. However, I mentioned the Gray Men earlier, two hundred million dollar movie that has drone shots as well. They suck. So it's like, well, at least Michael Bay made it look cool. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael Bay is also like maybe the best to ever live at making things look cool, right? Like not necessarily, you know, screenplay or like making things that like have weight or substance, but like in terms of like if you want your characters to like look badass and your movie to like look cool, like he's one of the best in the business to do it, like ever. So, you know, For sure. respect where it's deserved. For, it certainly comes from me. It's just like I've seen him do unique camera stuff in movies where it mattered to like, like think of like Bad Boys 2 where the camera's doing the 360 zoom between two rooms and going in and out of keyholes and shit like that. And it's like, I, it, it's over the top, yes, but it still serves a purpose. Like, there's a mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. why his camera's doing that. This is just more like, isn't it cool that we got these? It is, right? <laughs> Period. <laughs> Another thing this movie does, that's like the plot, the heist itself does that I think I've seen in other things, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but they blend the criminals in with the hostages both in I like love how they escape but also just like you know having someone like with the gun you know lead a group and then she like puts on her like scared face and like starts hyperventilating and puts on the mask or whatever and she goes in there too we're like ziggy in there like in on it eventually but like we don't know that at the time when he's just like complaining about wearing a mask and they bring him out to beat him or whatever right but like i love all of that and i also love ziggy i think it was ziggy who said they want to shoot me for taking off my mask. They can go ahead. I'm like, oh, he would definitely be an anti-vaxxer if this was made today. Like, I totally <laughs> thought the same thought. About I was a like, guy I complaining he, about like yep, a mandate to yep. wear a mask. Like, I'm not going to do this. It's just like, dude, shut up. Just put it on. <laughs> I totally thought the exact same thing when I saw that happen. I'm so glad you said that. But what do you guys think of the like the blending? Like, I think that that had, that had happened in other movies before. But I think it's smart how they're like, you're not, you're literally not going to be able to know. And, like, at the end, when, like, they have to bury the case, because Denzel's like, they all have an alibi. Like, And presumably nothing's been stolen, so it's like, and they had fake guns. It's like, so what What case do we have? <laughs> like, what happens? <laughs> An inconvenience to people. Um, as far as, like, seeing the... I, I, I can't think of, like, other clear examples where you have to piece together to this degree. Uh, there's movies that have, like, a mystery aspect as far as what actually went down or whatnot, but to, like, this extent, I can't think of something. something or even ones that were, like, you know that that's part of the plot to begin with. Like, a quick change with Bill Murray, that's one where they're playing into the idea that they're going to dress like the hostages as well, so you don't know which one's which. But you you know that already, one, because it's Bill Murray, so it's like, well, you need to saw him off the bank. But, <laughs> as far, but as far as, like you know, this active choice to leave you in the lurch as far as what actually happened here. I can't think of one that does it like this, this kind of way. I feel like, so what's also what I can't remember, honestly, is if I've seen this movie a bunch of times or just once, but early enough, because like I had basically seen almost no movies until I went to college. And I watched this, you know, probably early in college because it came out in 06. I probably watched on DVD like in 07 or whatever. And I still like have like hyper vivid memories of movies I watched around that time because like I hadn't seen like 4,000 movies. I'd seen mm-hmm. like 100 movies. And so like stuff just stuck in my brain better and I just like consumed less media. So I remembered. So like I don't know if I've seen this a million times 
or just once to remember very well. So like I might be conflating the whole like blending in with the hostages and the criminals or whatever. I might be like, I saw that in the movie, but like it might just be this. I don't know, but I feel like I've seen it elsewhere, but I, I really don't know. I don't know. I think the only other real thing that I want to talk about, and I don't want to hear if you guys have any other notes, is that there's a, there's a thing that like Clive Owen calls Denzel and is like giving him riddles over the phone. And oh, apparently, please talk about this. This is this is my last note. Go ahead. Continue. When Spike Lee was making this movie, he did not realize that Die Hard with a Vengeance did this exact same thing in New York a decade earlier, and oh. said that if he had known that, he would have cut this out. But like, it feels very much like it's from that movie. Um, but what did you guys think of the whole uh, riddle me this element of the heist in this movie? I'll say this. Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of my favorite movies. Um, I, 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 seeing this movie, I never thought of it whatsoever. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, never, okay. it never occurred to me that it's similar to Die Hard with a Vengeance specifically. It's like, you know, you point that out. It's like, oh, yeah, they both have riddles, I guess. But I mean, it's so not much of a factor in this story that just doesn't really affect me in any other way. Yeah, the riddle thing, like, I, I never mind that. And, like, with the all of the lead-up to show that, like, this guy is a mastermind and he is toying with Denzel and Denzel realizing that he's toying with him, like, I thought that that played well. I was more excited about them just yelling Metro North 50 fucking times <laughs> at the end of that, considering how many times I've been on Metro North and, like, how it just drives like the train just pretty much arrives straight from my house to grand central station and like them arguing about metro north and if it goes in grand central station and station versus terminal and like what the difference it was amazing that, oh, that we, i was we, like hung up did on that some other movie where you're like oh it's grand central I'm like i've never been there like you've been to a place in new york is like i would never get to new york through grand central no you would always come penn station yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah so like for me like i i like i that's my destination to get there so like whenever i watch like you know law and order svu and stuff it's always at grand central i'm like i was there a couple days ago whatever yeah. but i like that scene for that reason but i was hung up on it like the riddle part i was like oh that that tracks yeah, i like, wonder if i would have thought made that connection if i hadn't seen the imdb trivia about die hard because like it feels familiar it's also it kind of just like it feels like they're just throwing things at the wall and seeing kind of what sticks right like oh now we're gonna ask some riddles it's like all right okay Cool. Yeah, cool. Well, it's also everyone's literally doing that just to stall. Like that's yes. the whole thing. So it's like, yeah, that's. Well, what I also like, what I appreciate about this is that he's making such like generic stereotypical movie demands. Like, yeah, I want a jet fully fueled and blah blah blah. And, like he doesn't actually want this. Like he knows that he's not going to get it, right? So like it's it's kind of like making fun of the movie thing of like this is what all criminals want. He's like, I don't actually want this. Like I'm just I'm killing time while we like carve out a way for me to hide behind this wall for a week. Which yeah. makes you wonder, like, you know, if, if like, the writer, uh, Russell Guritz, or or even Clive Owen's character is intended to be someone that's just, you know, aware enough of other heist movies that maybe he even thought of. Maybe that's the reason why his character would have thought of that, because he saw it in Die Hard of Avengers. Sure, yeah. With. Oh, good point. I like that. I like, I like that. that a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they make references to various movies, like Dog Day Afternoon specifically. So, I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he's just, you know, a movie fan <laughs> as far yeah. as his, you know, ways to anticipate certain actions taking place. Yeah, they, they reference Dog Day Afternoon. They, he calls him Serpico. It's just like there's a lot of yes. uh, yeah. Pacino on the brain in this, I guess. Although they don't reference mm -hmm. Heat, like the ultimate like bank robber heist movie. So, I don't know. Who knows? It's too on the nose. Like, I you guess have so. To, yeah. Not in dialogue, I guess. I, I, I would doubt if there's like something in there you can probably find to be like, oh, that's a heat thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, do you have any other notes, any other things you wanted to talk about with this movie? Sure, because I, I noted that I, I I like this movie, but I'm not, you know, it's not my favorite Spike Lee mm -hmm. movie, and I, I have reasons why. I mean, uh, I 
and again, I you know I like this movie plenty. I like it probably more the most I've seen it since I watched since I watched it this recent time. But it's honestly the Jodie Foster character. I have nothing wrong with her performance. Like it's good. Like what she's required to do is very good because she's Jodie Foster and like it works well enough. And I do like the chemistry she has with Washington as well as um, Christopher Plummer. For a movie that it 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 feels like the the story being told always wants to feel more complicated than it actually is, and it really comes down to you know what what I want from this movie versus what it's giving me. So it's not entirely fair, but it's like there's a way where you just don't need to have the Madeline character altogether, and the movie becomes this tighter you know hour forty five minute heist movie uh, with some interesting stuff going on as opposed to this more drawn out version that has this whole other power broker character that's operating on her own level and you know corresponding with different people i get why it's there and i don't i don't like you know i'm not the writer i don't have the skills to be like how do i eliminate this character and make this movie better by way of doing it it's just something where you know in my head it just doesn't work as well as i think the movie wants it to for me yeah because i feel like if you remove her it makes the denzel character less interesting because like she's playing into his like checkered backstory or whatever I think it makes getting rid of her kind of makes the Clive and the bank robbery more interesting. Because if you don't know why, it's like, why do they, why would they rob a bank and not steal anything? And then you find out later that they stole the Nazi diamonds. Like it makes some of the movie better, some of the movie worse. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm with you that like, I I think it works. I think she's great, but I'm bummed that they kind of tipped the whole Nazi thing before the very end. That's the thing too. Like I think by having her, yes, you have to reveal certain things because you it, it's too much mystery if you don't have any hint as to why certain things are happening the way they do but because you have her and because you get very specific on it it doesn't lessen the tension necessarily but it just it just feels like a extra thing for the sake of how do we make this bank robber movie different right and i can respect that because yeah there's a lot of bank robber movies but at the same time it's something it's an element that i haven't warmed to as much as i i'd like to do you guys think that without like if we didn't tip to the nazi thing as early if we got to the end and they were like, and there was Nazi documents in here, we'd be like, what the fuck was this movie about? That's the other thing as far as like, well, yeah, what's the what's the other version of this? And then you look at it as like, and then also, you know, in addition to uh, xenophobia, uh, class system commentary, uh, you know, racial discrimination, what have you, also Nazis. It's like, well, okay, that's a lot to like throw at it at the end. Like, I, I get yeah. that. And you, and you don't. Equally, you don't want to necessarily leave it like anonymous as far as, you know, Christopher Plummer has something he doesn't want to get revealed, but you never find out what it is. It's just like, you know, a gold light in a briefcase. It's like, well, you, you kind of want something out of that because Spike yes. Lee, he's going to have to he's going to comment on something. Um, and, you know, because it's like a bank and it's very specific. It's like, well, it does make sense that like and it's also kind of comical since it's Christopher Plummer, who's famously from Sound of Music, which is a movie that's, you know, about him fleeing Nazis. Mm-hmm. And here he is. Yeah. Fleeing a Nazi. Like it's clever in its own way. Uh, like I get, I, yeah, you, 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 when you put it down and you like draw the lines out from it and be like, well, this is why, why, why I, I know why the things need to be in place here as they are. It's just like a part of it. I just don't prefer. Sure. No, I that's that. fair. Totally fair. And like, I, I agree with you. Like once you said it, I was like, oh yeah, we could eliminate her character. It would be like slightly different and maybe more of like just a traditional bank robbing heist movie like he could just steal the diamonds from his box and be like well he had these secret diamonds you know what i mean so yeah it's the kind of thing where it's like how do i make that work in my mind well while still keeping the movie interesting so yep. like so it so it becomes hard and i get it screenwriting is a challenge i understand that 
I think the only other thing I want to mention is two other actors. I think we've mentioned she would tell Edgy for, I think he's really good in this. It's like, it's after yep. he's broken out, like he's been in a bunch of stuff at this point, but he's still kind of early in his career and sort of yep. second detective to Denzel. I think he's really good. Yep. I think, I think one of you mentioned earlier, their banter together. Like it, they're just, they're a really good duo. Like I would watch yes. 10 movies with the two of them, just like doing other crimes, right? Like just, Denzel like dirty talking with his wife on the phone then hanging up like she would tell us just sitting there like listening to the whole thing it's just like there's a weird dynamic between the two of them that like I like and just feels honest there's a there's a little secret to that well for one thing to I welcome in anything because he's very good um, and I'm happy I was ha- I was I was actually pretty excited when I saw that he was in this movie too because I, I had liked him from the things I'd seen before this like what serenity um, and, mm-hmm. uh, he was in a Woody Allen movie is what Matt um, Melinda Belinda um but I had seen him in a few things like this is I like this guy. Who's he? The other thing, though, Denzel, you know, his secret is he's good with everybody. So it's like, yes, you know, whoever right. you cast in this, it's going to work. But I'm, yes, the Chiwetel and him are very good together. And I'd watch I'd happily watch more of their interactions. And the only thing I wanted to point out, other actor that I don't think we've mentioned because he's got a very small part. But whenever I can mention a lost alum, I will. But Ken Lung in here as one of the yeah. people in the bank, just, you know, like seeing him. Ken Lung's fun because I see I, I it's not like I followed him specifically, but I've certainly seen him throughout his career. It feels because right. you know I can recognize him from like Rush Hour, and then I'm like watching like Industry on HBO right now, and he's in here, and he's and there he's he has like salt and pepper hair at this point. In Inside Man, it's like oh he's still like young, fresh Ken yeah. Lung, where he has, he's got you know nice brown hair, uh, just seems like a regular guy in New York. <laughs> what I, what I feel like is cool about him is that like for for someone being like relatively nondescript, I feel like no one is really like him. Like, yeah. it just, he's, he, he doesn't really stand out, but, like, he's so singularly unique in, like, the way that he looks and talks. But, like, I would have a hard time, like, describing anything about how he does things. But, like, I know that I like him, so. He, that's why he's been a strong character actor for the past couple decades. Like, he, yeah, he, has, a, he has distinctness to him that's worked. Real quick, because I didn't mention this at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Denzel, Denzel, good hat, good mustache. Oh, the, great like the, hat, is that a, great is that a mustache. Cubano? What, what kind of hat is that? Like a. It looks very Cuban, yeah. Yeah. In a way that I'm like, oh, that that feels 2006, but also like I couldn't pull that hat off, but like Denzel can. Like I wouldn't. And I, I like that this movie. It's set. I don't think it's specifically set in the summer, but it's certainly set when it's warm, right? It's a warm period in New York, yeah. uh, and everyone's wearing like cream and tan suits, uh, which is fun. It's like it, it reflects the you know the weather, but also. You know, you think of people in suits. You don't necessarily think of cream and tan suits all the time. So it's nice. It's like yeah, everyone's definitely. dressing, uh, you know, to accommodate the weather, uh, which makes sense. But as far as the hat goes, there's so many like good Denzel lines uh, in this movie. But when he gets to the restaurant towards the end and the and the like made or near whatever, it's like, can I take your hat? So he's like, no, get your own. Uh, <laughs> 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 he's, he's, I wrote it. Down. He says, no, you cannot get your own. And it's the the perfect Denzel delivery. <laughs> so it's like it doesn't need to be a joke. It doesn't need to be an expression of authority. But he does it anyway because why not? He's Denzel. You can make it work. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, all right, now you want to guys watch a trailer from yes, sir. Rotten Tomatoes classic trailer. This is, I think, two in a row maybe that we've watched from Rotten Tomatoes classic trailers. Inside Man, official trailer, number one, Christopher Plummer movie. Christopher Plummer movie. <laughs> 2006 HD. It's always weird when they do, like, figure out, like, what the SEO is going to be. Like, yeah, let's put Christopher Plummer. Not Denzel, not Spike Lee, not any number of other, not Jodie Foster. Christopher Plummer movie. 1.2 million views posted in January 2012. Are you guys, you have it queued up? I will give us a countdown if you are both ready. I'm One ready. Second. Can we can we talk during the trailer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what okay. we do, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, I'm good. All right. 
three, two, one, play. Okay. Language and some violent images. Yeah, because we're like, all of the violence is like movie violence. Like, in the movie, it's movie violence. Yeah. Which is like, they shot that after. Like, at the last thing they shot was like, the action stuff, because it's, it's like, oh, why not? We can insert this, get some trailer shots out of it. And when Aaron and I were talking about, like, you know, scheduling this recording, we were both talking yeah. about, like, how memorable the line, this ain't no bank robbery is. So, like, it's, you know, almost, you know, 15, 20 There's years after hat. this movie came out. Here's the hat. Still stands yeah. out. We gotta step back and look at this thing from a distance. I did like that they, like, I like that they stripped them all down because I didn't know where that was going. Like, I thought they were just, like, you know, just, like, checking them for extra cell phones or something weird, right? And then it's like, oh, no, everybody put on the same clothes. I was like, ah, there you go. Someone I follow on Letterboxd is like, really? No overweight people in the entire room? Come on, Spike Lee. <laughs> Your Honor, you know about this hostage situation. What's it to do with you? Well, I need to be assured that certain interests... It's weird that Jodie Foster's... I mean, I guess you, you get Jodie Foster in your movie and put her in the trailer, but it's weird that she's kind of, like, this prominent in the trailer, right? Well, she's... Th- I mean, she's a title above name above the title yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of character and, and you have to show that this movie's different than other heist movies sure. very fair very very fair great denzel i do got to raise my period to the right level <laughs> it's also very firmly 2006 by seeing how big the suits are and like when people yep. are like stripping down oh, like yeah. how big the shirts are like we've just gotten everything is so much more tailored now than it was amen for sure for sure i don't know the score is so generic in this trailer, but Terrence Blanchard's score in the movie is great. I love mm-hmm. the score. Agreed. Agreed. And that song that is over the closing credits, but also in the beginning of the movie, I think, too, is yeah. like very memorable and tied to this movie for me. So Yeah, it's an A.R. Robin song, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Slumdog Guy. Yeah. Here we go. What are you doing? Come on, this ain't no bank robbery. This ain't bank robbery. I feel like that's the kind of movie that, like, you know, if we had watched this trailer together, like, when he says that in the theater, we're all, like, standing up and applauding, like, yeah, he said the line. Because, yeah, because my my roommate and I in college at the time, we had seen, you know, we'd see movies weekly, so we'd see this trailer a lot. So it became a real running gag within our apartment, (laughs) just saying that to each other. This ain't no bank robbery. (laughs) I think what's good is that, like, it makes sense in the movie. Like, what I don't like about movies is that, like, when when there's, like, a corny joke or whatever, but it's in the trailer, so people watching the movie have seen it a million times, they think it's funny because it's in the trailer, and then they laugh in the movie. I'm like, it wasn't funny. It was never been funny. You already know the joke's coming. You're only laughing because it's familiar. Here, mm-hmm. it's a cool line in the trailer. I think it's still a cool line in the movie. Oh, yeah. I like it, so. The Letterbox game. So, for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd, has been seen by 1.2, almost 1.2 million people. Inside Man. So this, Aaron, this is a very difficult game. If you if you feel like you're bad at this game, that's totally fine. I welcome all games. Inside Man, 2006, directed by Spike Lee, has been seen by how many people? If you had to guess, how many people have logged Inside Man on Letterbox? Joe, you want to go first? Give Aaron sort of maybe a ballpark to start in. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna guess what I think is really high and might be still too low. 450,000 people. Okay. I think it got to be a ton with Denzel and Spike Lee. Like, it got to be a ton of people. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of Venn diagrams of Inside Man because it's, it's, it is Spike Lee and Denzel. It's also on Letterboxd. It's the kind of thing where film geeks like it. And, yep. geek, and, and when it comes to, and, you know, <laughs> when I think about uh, Spike Lee and the audiences that are watching him, I generally think, well, 
white people tend to flock to <laughs> movies like Inside Man, which is not there's no problem with that. It's just something I've noticed. Uh, so I think it's fairly high. So I'll go a little higher. Uh, I'll say like six hundred thousand. You guys are both entirely too high. The number is lower than both of those. Whoa. Do another okay. guess. While we do that, I will remind people that Aaron is on Twitter and Letterbox at Aaron's PS4. Still not upgraded to the PS5 yet, but it's there if you want the Aaron's PS4. So follow him over there. If you you can go to Twitter, you can check Aaron's PS5, Aaron's PS6, and Aaron's PS7. They oh, I remember exist. you saying that on a previous episode. That's why I brought it up. But yeah, still PS4. I, I have my claim. I have my claim to them. All right, Joe, okay. your guess was too high. What'd you say, like 450? Yeah. I, okay, I'll tone it down. Um, 125. Okay. Aaron? I guess if Letterboxd existed earlier, that might have helped. Um, yeah, the timing of when it comes out is is yeah, frequent. Right. But what the fuck did we just do, Joey? That was it. There was a movie that wasn't like very new that had like a crazy ass number. Uh, I could look. Slevin. Slevin was like super high. Remember? Slevin had no Slevin had eighty five. Yeah, that was still way higher than I thought it would. All right, um, I will say two hundred thousand. Somewhere in between, one more guess between one twenty five and two hundred. 184. Um, 156. 170, 197. 170,000, 197 have logged this. Average rating of a 3.6. Most common a 4, then a 3.5, then a 3. How many people put Inside Man in their top four favorite movies of all time? Huh. Um, 125. It's a lot. All right, Aaron. I'll say 87. You're both too low this time. Got to go higher than 125. Oh, uh, 214. 317. Now you're both too high. One more guess between 125 and 214. Or whatever Joe's first number was. What was it? Yeah, 125. 185. It was 125. Yeah, 163. Okay. Aaron, final guess? Uh, 194. Aaron, closer, 202, 202 people have this in their top that's in, four. That's an insane oh, number. That's I almost said 200 even, too, but okay. <laughs> that's an insane number. Like, that's really, really high. I had pulled two accounts, and I'm glad that I did, because one person wildly changed it to a thing that, like, including, he made it three, he, he removed Inside Man from his top four. It's now 36 Chamber of the Shaolin, five Element Ninjas, eight Diagram Pole Fighters, so three Shaw Brothers movies, and the first Paddington, so... Shout out to Timmy Williams. We're not going to play that though. Specifically, the first Paddington. That's fun. It's yeah. It's not. It's not the great Paddington. It's just the good. Feels like chaos. (laughs) All right, but we are going to go to Meg at Meg Splains on Letterboxd. Joe, I I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but on Letterboxd, when you write a review, you can toggle a little box that says "I've watched this movie before," just like because it has like a little like arrow, like a rewatch. Yeah. Or there's another toggle that says "This review contains spoilers," so like you can like let people know that unless they've they can either click a thing to see the spoilers, or if you've logged the movie, it'll automatically show it. So like it's a way to like hide things. So yeah, that's a really cool option. Meg puts a spoiler warning on this review. So get ready to have Inside Man spoiled. And the only reason I bring that up here is because nothing Meg says is even remotely a spoiler. Okay. Meg says, losing my mind because my mom says she's, quote, never seen this, which seems physically impossible considering the number of times I've watched it in her home. Five stars. (laughs) I'm so sorry that I just spoiled Inside Man for everybody out there with Meg's review. It's a spoiler for for movies Meg's mom's seen. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe not. I don't know. It's a spoiler for movies that Meg's seen, Meg's mom might have seen. Who knows? But Meg Maybe tweeted, I'm Meg's mom. Maybe you're Meg's mom. But 
Inside Man is Meg's number one favorite movie of all time, according to Letterboxd.com. Training Day. Training Day. No. Training Day not in here. We have three movies. One from the 2010s, one from the 1950s, one from the 1990s. Joe, I would not be surprised if you've seen none of these. Okay. I would also not be surprised if you've seen all of these. I genuinely don't know if you've seen any of these movies, but they're all really big movies. Okay. One of them is a movie that I mentioned in our list of heist movies we did not cover this lap. So if you remember, I burned through about a dozen movies. A movie from the 90s that I have said before I think is a perfect movie, one of my all-time favorite movies, a great heist film we did not cover, but I mentioned... A Fish Named Wanda. No. I've never actually seen that. It's the 80s also. I'm going to say Out of Sight. Out of Sight is Meg's number four favorite movie. Do you like that movie, Aaron? Nice. It's a perfect movie, so yes. Yeah. That's, 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 oh, that's you get five stars, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a correct assessment. Oh, your, most, your, your, your letterbox review is one of my favorite quotes. Hey, Ray, do you ever, say one, ever wear one that says undercover? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely dunking on Michael Keaton being an idiot in that movie. Love it. The one from the 1950s is one of the most famous crime films of all time, probably. Also considered probably one of the best movies of all time, too. From the 50s? Mm-hmm. Citizen Kane. That's from the 40s. 40s. And, not a and that's not a movie. crime movie. I'm just guessing, man. <laughs> this movie has been remade, not with Ooh. the same title, but the premise has been ripped by Shia LaBeouf, a Shia LaBeouf movie, if not a million other things, too. A crime Ooh. movie? Um. Oh, wait, crime? I would say it's thriller mystery, but there is, there's a crime in here. It's not like a, it's not a heist movie, but thriller and mystery are the genres. Like Rear Window. Rear Window is the number ah, three. Okay, crime okay, okay. wouldn't come to be like I'd say like yeah, mystery. He sees something. a crime. Yeah, it's you know there's there is a crime. I mean, yeah, but, but like when I think crime, I think like gangster. When I say the yes, word crime, right, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. But Rear Window number three, a okay. Shia LaBeouf movie, Disturbia. True. Yeah. All right. Then number two, Joe. I think this is the. Have you, yeah, Joe? Have you seen Out of Sight or Rear Window? Uh, rear window, yes, not out of sight. Okay. Number two, this is the one I think is probably the longest shot for you from the 2010s, made by an auteur director oh, who God. people who love film with a capital F love film. this guy a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, this, I will say, is also maybe a crime movie, but also maybe not a crime movie, but also maybe a crime... Like, depending on, like, how you consider Rear Window, maybe you consider this a crime one, too. The official genres on Letterboxd are mystery, comedy, drama. Okay. Based on a book... 2010s? 2010s. Okay. One that film snobs love. Huge movie. Well, I would say... I would actually say, of this director's movies, this is probably one of the lesser ones... Mm. Both in terms of popularity and what people think of it. Hmm. I'm trying to see if... Is it like Only Goss Forgives? No, because I would have seen that and you would have known that. Okay. No, and this this director it, is it, much it bigger. It is famously funny. Um. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Comedy <laughs> part. I'm just trying to piece anything together that fits most of yeah, it. Yeah, remember when mm. Gosling drags that guy by his jaw? That's the funniest <laughs> Yeah, I like when, when Gosling claps one at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a very specific joke for that movie. <laughs> um, um, let's, I'm trying to think of the. I, I want to narrow it on the film. I'm trying to see. Aaron, you gave it four and a half stars. Okay. I'm gonna I'll see just, if I can I mean, pull is, it, is, it the, is it the Irishman? No, that's. Okay. No, 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 no. 
Um, Newer than twenty. That's twenty ten. He said. So I would. So it's based on a book. Is there anything in here that I could say that wouldn't spoil it? What were you reading before? Like you were reading like mystery facts about the movies or something? Oh, I was going to IMDb and I was reading the the questions that people ask. There's also like the micro genres, but hold on. Let me find some some FAQs about this movie. Major filmmaker. Major filmmaker, yes. 2010s, comedy, thriller. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Art, auteur. Film. But I would say that this is like, you know, I would say that a lot of people who love film with a capital F... Uh, would have one of this guy's movie as like one of their favorite movies of all time. This movie would likely not be that movie. That one though. Okay. All topics. Oh, there's no FAQs about this. Damn. What are the the genres? Mystery, comedy, drama. It's <laughs> from the 2010s, but it's set in the 70s. That's a big hint. Okay. Based on the book by an auteur director. Based Two and a half hours long. Oh, okay. Based on a book. The top review on Letterboxd says every ticket to this movie should come with either the choice of a joint or a second ticket to this movie. You will need one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There is a a joke that people make about this movie and a pun on the title that I've heard people make about this movie. What was the movie with the the backwards? That thing came out more recently than 2010s. What? The movie with the backwards man, the scary movie, the backwards man, the one where like title right there, the backwards man, the backwards man, the backwards. Doug Jones is the backwards man. (laughs) Yeah, Clive Owen. (laughs) Um, Um, Okay, (laughs) the movie that everybody loved. Come on, you need to give us another hint. It was. uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to guess your movie now. We're playing a different game. We're playing a game within the backwards man movie. It was the movie Malignant, with like... Malignant, Malignant. Yes, that's the movie. Yep, it was oh, Malignant. Oh, The Backwards Man. Okay, yeah, that's fair, I guess. The movie's not good, but I love that movie a lot. But I feel like that's like a movie... I, th- I was trying to hit some notes here. I have no idea who directed Malignant. Oh, James Wan did. James yes, Wan. that's what Noted Fast and Furious director. Uh, yeah, Fast and Furious director James Wan. Yeah. I need but more. I, guess make try- I can't narrow this yeah, down. Yeah, you gotta help, bud. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the lead... Female, the lead mm-hmm. actress in this movie is fourth build, but the lead actress is Catherine Waterston. Oh, Inherent Vice. Then. Inherent okay. Vice. People call Inherent uh, Twice because it doesn't make any sense until you see it a second time. Okay. 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 Cool. And who directed Inherent Vice? PTA. Paul Thomas uh, Anderson. Okay. And I would say that probably of all like people like, There Will Be Blood is the best movie of all time. Phantom Thread is the best movie of all time. Magnolia is the best movie of all time. The Master is the best movie of all time. Boogie Nights is the best movie of all time. That's generally not coming up as like the top tier. Right. Yeah, for, for that most makes people. sense. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. So Meg has Inside Man, Inherent Vice, Rear Window, and Out of Sight as her top four. Well, shout out to Meg Splained or Meg Splains on Letterboxd for her top four. That's a great name. That's a great like username. Yeah. I like that a lot. And shout out to Aaron for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank Aaron. You, Thank you for helping us dissect this movie. Uh, yeah, what would you like people to know about you? What's going on in your podcast? Any reviews that you're writing? Plug away, please. Sure. I host a podcast with my friend Abe. It is called Out Now with Aaron and Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases. We also have a lot of fun bonus episodes and commentary tracks on the monthly. I write for a number of sites, but I am the uh, I, I write for we live, we live Entertainment.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews. I write for Why So Blue for my Blu-ray and Criteria interviews. I do some variety of stuff occasionally. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. 
and Letterboxed Aaron's PS4 too. Yes, that's my letter. Yes, that is my letter. Also on Twitter at Aaron's PS5 and PS6 and PS7, but you won't find it there. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be hilarious if I checked one day at like Aaron's PS6 and there's like 3,000 followers. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would be very much into it. I think you deserve it. I think the future you that might use that account one day deserves all the followers in the world. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. But yes, next week, F9, and then after that's a tune-up, and then we're into lap 12, baby. We're, we're getting there. I'm excited. Yeah? I'm really excited. Come back for that, but for all things Too Fast Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at forever.com and our store at forever.shop and come back next week, like I just said, for F9. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Aaron Newworth of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and we'll tell you all about it. When we see you 